Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what's up this your boy la duval and check out my podcast conversations with unk on the black effect podcast network each and every tuesday conversations with unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness unlike my work on stage i tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, yeah. Here we go on a Fox Sports Radio Sunday and checking another thing off of my sports media bucket list, and that is hanging with none other than John Middlecoff. And, John, I'm going to make a promise to you right out of the gate. I will not go as long as Ray Lewis on any of my rants today. Um, because uh, if I did, I don't. I don't believe you'd be doing any speaking today. <laughs> uh, you are too kind, Mark. I, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> as well, and uh, I hope to bring the same Ray Lewis passion to the radio airwaves. Now, I have been accused of preaching before, so uh, we'll uh, we'll be uh, eyes on that, ears on that. Uh, as uh, as we do get into Ray Terrell, Urban Meyer, and much more live Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you. 15% or more on car insurance, geico.com for a free rate quote. Now, uh, John, I'm just going to put this out there right out, which is this. I'm just asking a question here, so don't take an opinion out of this, um, but I wonder I wonder why we've all done it this way for all of these years. For instance, this is what I mean. Terrell Owens did something yesterday that we've never seen before in Hall of Fame speeches. And people get a little hot and bothered when somebody does something different. When we upset the norm, there's going to be a reaction to that. Um, However, didn't Ray Lewis also do something that we've never seen before with regard to Hall of Fame speeches yesterday? That podium was only a rumor to him. Uh, That thing didn't even exist. Uh, He never even acknowledged it. I've never seen that before. So that's totally different, too. Yet, of course, one of these became very controversial, and the other one became something that we all ate up like cereal with a spoon. Yeah, I mean, raise raise a character. I, I think at the end of the day, 
where people are crushing T.O., and rightfully so, and I grew up in Northern California on Terrell Owens, yep. is that Ray did it on hollowed ground. Ray did it at Canton, you know, in front of everyone. Terrell, kind of like Terrell, however you, the hell you say his name, <laughs> you know, went about it like only he can, by himself. Uh, were there, I, I just saw some of the highlights of T.O.'s deal. I, were there former teammates there? Clearly no quarterbacks, you know, Jeff Garcia, Tony Romo, McNabb, Clearly weren't there. Uh, yeah, I, I loved Ray Lewis's speech, and I, I was thinking about this last night. If you if you watch football in the late '90s, early 2000s, not not just Ray, and and I think Ray was the best player in in this group to go in, and it was a pretty darn good group. Yeah, but you know, Randy's probably the second closest, but he did quit on the Raiders, and just his career was not as flawless. I'm talking on the field, not off the field, sure. as Ray's. But Ray and Brian Dawkins are are two of the more impassioned players, uh, probably in not just their generation, but in NFL history. You know, you just both those two guys just gave perfect speeches in terms of the passion that they bring. I mean, Brian Dawkins talked about killing himself. Who right. ever would have thought? I mean, that was that was pretty stunning. You just thought this guy that's known as Weapon X was undestructible. And to him to say that is rookie year, that that was pretty jarring. Yeah, no doubt about it, although I think we've learned over the years that uh, those kinds of thoughts and uh, the uh, the high-level sport of football, uh, unfortunately, go hand-in-hand more than we, we've probably Definitely. ever realized until now. Um, so I, I'll say this. I found both speeches entertaining. I found Ray Lewis entertaining, uh, and, and for the reasons that it was different, and I found Terrell Owens uh, kind of entertaining because it was different. My thought is always this, like the, the Hall of Fame is such a moment for that guy, so why not do it your way? And if that is completely different and it upsets our sensibilities, uh, I'm okay with that, you know, because it's not really our sensibilities that need to be taken care of here. Uh, at the end of all of this, and I know I've heard a hundred people be like, Terrell Owens is going to wake up one day 20 years from now and he's going to really regret this. You know what? After listening to him yesterday, John, I don't think so. I don't think so. And he's a different cat. We all know that. Um, and so if this doesn't bother him, and this is what really made him uh, express his gratitude and made him do it the way he wanted to do it, then, you know, good on him. Seriously, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think it was just perfectly symbolic of T.O.'s career, doing it that way. I do agree with him in the sense, I, I would disagree with you, I think you got to let bygones be bygones and show up in what I consider football heaven, and most of these guys consider football heaven. What did Bill Parcells say? You know, when we're all dead, I picture you know our our you know our heads in the Hall of Fame are talking to each other when, when no one's looking, <laughs> which is creepy. You know, I, yes, yeah, I, I, but but you know, I him not going in on the first ballot is a joke. So he he is correct there. I mean, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I also think, Mark, that the last several years, there have been some guys inducted that have somewhat watered down. Like when I say, say Hall of Fame, I, I've been getting this a lot the last couple of days. Like, is Donovan McNabb a Hall of Famer? Is Zach Thomas a Hall of Famer? There's nothing wrong with being the Hall of Really Good. Yeah. And I, I think guys like, is Brian Urlacher truly a first ballot Hall of Famer? I, I think he's a Hall of Fame player, but true first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't know. Tony Dungy to me was no chance a Hall of Famer. Uh, Jason Taylor, 
I know Belichick raved about him. He made me reconsider again, but I I never thought Jason Taylor was a first ballot Hall of Famer. See, and Terrell Owens has somewhat of a right to be super mad because he, he was the best player at his position for like five or six years in the NFL. See, I think it's a media uh, concoction, though, this idea that there's a difference between a first ballot Hall of Famer and a second or a third ballot Hall of Famer. And, and John, I kind of think that was Terrell's point. Um, and in fact, and, and you know whether we so not, you, we, you don't think it matters. Well, you know, whether you go on the first it, or the fifth time, it ends up being an honor. But my my point is is like, okay, you don't have any issue with Brian Urlacher being a Hall of Famer, but you didn't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's like, well, wait a minute, did we just create a new line there? I mean, either guy's a Hall of Famer or a guy's not a Hall of Famer, right? Th- that is fair. I mean, it's conversations kind of out of nowhere because at the end of the day, in twenty years. No one remembers that it took Tim Brown, you know, eight times to get in, or Chris Carter six, you know, whatever it was. Right. He's ultimately in the club with all these guys. Him and Ray Lewis are in the same club, right? So I, I get what you're saying, but there is, you know, there's even an honor, and this is like in any club. There are certain people in that club that are viewed differently than others in that club. Just like uh, the NFL owners, for example, they're they're all rich. Because they all have an asset that's worth a lot of money, right? But there are individuals in that club that have way more money. Like there's a major difference between Paul Allen and Mark Davis, yes. right? Even though they're technically in the same club, so I, you're right. It is somewhat of a media creation, but I, I do think the common football fan does put a little more stock in like the first time you get in. They, they, not everyone in that club, though, to me, is viewed the same. Like and like I said, I. Terrell Owens, if you had to start a team, now if you had to factor in like locker room dynamics, he might not be your choice, but just just pure talent in the peak of his powers. He was, I mean, besides Jerry Rice, is there anyone better? No, I mean, he, well, Randy Moss come, comes to he, mind. Yeah, and yeah like he was a, a first ballot. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I, I also wonder, do we or do we not take Terrell Owens at face value? Because if you believe, if you believe Terrell Owens when he expresses why he did not do it in Canton, he specifically says it has nothing to do with the number of times it took on the ballot. Here's so a piece of Terrell The elephant in the room. Many of you may be wondering why we're, we're here instead of Canton. There's been a lot of speculation and false reports as to why I chose not to be there. I would like to set the record straight. It's not because how many times it took for me to be voted into the hall. It's about the mere fact that the sports writers are not in alignment with the mission and core values of the Hall of Fame. And John, I buy this. I, I actually do. And what's interesting to me is how many people are upset that Terrell Owens didn't go. However, they agree. They agree with what he's saying right there, that there is something uh, wrong with the way we do this. Guys who weren't his teammate and never played football sitting in a room and deciding whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. I, I would say this, though, just listening to that, it's just always something with T.O. Well, of course I, I mean, it is. <laughs> th- 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 there was a long time where, where, Ra- where Randy was kind of viewed as a pain, even at multiple sp- spots. Obviously, he quit on the Raiders, and then the way it ended in New England was not ideal. But th- there's a once you get inducted into this into into Canton, there's a humility that comes with it, and you really saw it on display with Randy and him talking about Rand, West Virginia, and just where he came from. Yep. And it, it's pretty consistent with every guy that gets in. Like, the most basic premise of their message, like the guys that help them, their family, and, and for whatever reason, T.O. 
had to just be classic T.O. and make it something which, like you said, there is some validity to what he's saying. No one can argue that. And, I again, I think it's a joke he had to wait. What was this, his third year? Yeah, third time. Third time? I (laughs) I get not giving him the – but three times? I mean, come on. No. But – Agreed. Can there ever be humility with this guy? Well – I mean, can there? Okay, but but in in a way, I know I could feel it in watching Ray Lewis yesterday – while what he was saying was filled with humility, you know there were a lot of people watching that last night and going, oh, oh, oh my gosh. I mean, Ray is making this all about classic Ray. And I didn't see it that way, but I could feel that there were others who did. I guess in the end, what I really loved about both of these, John, is that, as you said, what we're looking for at a Hall of Fame speech is for the quintessential human being to come out, and let's find out what it's all about. We got that with Brian Dawkins, for sure. We got some things out of Randy Moss that we were like, huh, that's interesting, didn't know that. And I felt like Ray Lewis and Terrell Owens, for better or for worse, man, we got the quintessential guy with the way both of them handled it. Yeah, very on brand, for sure. No you doubt. Can't, you can't argue that with those yeah. two guys. Um, 877-99 on Fox, you can weigh in. Um, and, and this question coming up next, because uh, there was an article that got released yesterday, and uh, for many people, it might not have been necessarily the right timing, but it leads to a very fair question about how all of us viewed both careers we're talking about. That's next with John Middlecoff, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio. Get your po- Brought to you by Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit Progressive.com today. Hey, it's Fox Sports Radio on your Saturday. Thankful you're with us with John Middlecoff, Mark Willard, Alex Marvez in 10 minutes, a wealth of NFL knowledge. We'll get into it with him, 877-99 on Fox for you. So, Robert Klimko was on with Chris Mannix and Bucky Brooks a few hours ago. John, did you get a chance to see that article yesterday? I did. I read it this morning. Yeah. So, Klemko uh, went through quite a story uh, that he had years ago in covering the Ravens and attempting to ask Ray Lewis some questions about what happened in Atlanta years ago, uh, the legal situation that Ray got into. And Klemko was asking for a response because what he had done is gone to the families of the victims that night and asked if they had forgiven Ray Lewis, and those families flatly said no. Um, And and it led to a question in my mind as we're watching all of these Hall of Fame speeches last night. Um, Here is Klemko sharing a part of that story at the way the Ravens locker room treated him as he tried to ask these questions. After that interaction, um, you know, when I went to cover the playoff game in Denver um, against the Broncos, I I heard players saying, hey, is that the guy we're not supposed to talk to? Um, That PR organization specifically, and I think around the league, singles out reporters um, and and, and tries to turn players and and coaches against those people. Um, That's become a regular part of their job. And you mentioned the larger trend of this distrust of, of the media, you know, I think a big reason for that is how much more exposure we have as reporters and and you guys uh, on the radio and and the things that you write, Bucky. Uh, People see us now more than ever as more partisan because our opinions are out there on Twitter, because we kind of share the process of reporting with people and and open ourselves up to scrutiny, um, and, and people take that opportunity and run wild with it. I think it's a fair question to ask, John, as, as it is a day where we look back and celebrate 
uh, their careers. For instance, Terrell Owens, a great player with a behavioral history, although I'll add his behavioral history was never in the legal realm. Ray Lewis, a great player with a behavioral history that wasn't in the locker room, however it was in the legal realm. And so my question is, why on earth did we, the media, NFL fans, the NFL itself, wrap their arms around one of these guys and completely outcast the other? To me, that is unfair. Well, I think it speaks to society a little bit about things. You know, we forget things pretty quickly, and this was a long time ago in today's terms. You know, I mean, two years ago in 2018 feels a long time ago, let yeah. alone, what, what was this, two, year 2000? Yeah. 98, 99, I yeah. guess, it, you know, whatever it was. The other thing is that Terrell was somewhat an outcast for being a bad locker room guy, for not treating people well on his own team. People... NFL fans just thought when they added him to his team, and he was on so many over his career, that he didn't get along with the quarterback. He didn't get along with the coach. That was never really a problem for Ray. If anything, Ray was, as a player, an uplifter. You know, he galvanized. He brought people together. I I vividly remember in the game that they lost to uh, before they won the Super Bowl, they had lost to New England, I think, in 2011. And there was Joe Flacco played really well, yep. and there was a video in the locker room of Ray kind of giving an impassioned, got the group together, and it kind of ended with this was before Joe Flacco was Joe Flacco, and said like Joe, you don't ever hang your head, and it just you know kind of went viral back when videos were starting to go viral, and I think Ray always got a lot of credit for just being this guy that you know if 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 I could have played in the NFL, I'd want to been Ray Lewis's teammate. And that was not how Terrell Owens was viewed. If anything, he was the opposite, right? Like, would you want to be playing with that guy? Probably not. Now, I, I also think this. I, I looked in because it was so long ago and I was young, I didn't really remember a lot of the details. I, I think it's pretty clear, and it's a running joke, like Ray Lewis murdered him. Like, Ray Lewis did not kill them. Right. His friends might have, but Ray did not. Like, Ray is not a murderer. Now, did he commit crimes? Did he burn the white suit? I mean, yeah, we could argue about that all day. But Ray didn't murder anyone. I think we have pretty factual evidence that he is not a killer. So I, reading Klemko's article, I get where he was coming from, and a young journalist, and he was told to do something. But, like, I, I, this happened. You know, you, you're around Locker. Like, you, this happens. You know, this guy was coming after something. It's not even like it was that relevant. I, I get – I understand where the relevancy from the – from Robert's side is, but I, I get, also get where the players and Ray were coming from. Now sure. Ray's answer about I'll pray for you is kind of – you know. But, again, that's classic Ray. <laughs> it is classic Ray. And Ray, Ray, I want to make sure our listeners understand this wasn't Klemko going to Ray Lewis uh, like, you know, uh, uh, two weeks ago or something. I mean, this is years ago. This Granted, is 2013. Right. It was well after it had all happened. Um, but he was he was writing a story, and he was offering Ray a, an opportunity to comment on it. I'm with you. I understand why the locker room was like, oh no, 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 we're gonna now you're you're not allowed around here. Whether that's fair or foul, I understand why they did it. I I just I look at this whole thing though, and uh, I was really taken aback by some comments Andy Reid made this week. Andy Reid was asked about Terrell Owens, and he gushed, gushed about what an amazing guy he was about how I gave him an assignment and he'd go do it, and he'd go at full speed, and he understood the game. He said things about Terrell Owens in a team sense that I had never heard. And I'm going, Andy Reid, that's not like the kicker or the punter. This is a really respected NFL voice that's behind T.O. And, John, you know this. You, you, I mean, your locker room days, scout days, 
there are a lot of times where you're going to get, well, that guy says he's a bad teammate, but somebody else has a completely different experience. And that's the issue I have with it. I'm not here to tell you the T.O. is a great teammate. I'm here to tell you I've never been a T.O. teammate, and therefore I don't know. And I bet there are a lot of guys who didn't like him and a lot of guys who did. Yeah, let me say this. I'm biased. I love (laughs) Coach Reed. I worked with Coach Reed. I'm a huge Coach Reed fan. I'm still friends with him to this day. But on this one, like his the actions speak a little loud in the words. Like they booted him out the second year. They they could not deal with him. They couldn't get rid of him fast enough. I think in 2018, Andy's such a great guy. This is he he's gonna say things that might not be true. Well, uh, but, but so is I, that I, did did Andy want him gone, or did Andy realize that Donovan McNabb wanted him gone, and your quarterback? has to be happy in an NFL Mark, locker the, Mark, the, from the stories that I had heard, the whole team, like everyone on the team wanted him gone. They couldn't stand dealing with him. He, he, he was just, they could not function. And this was a locker room that was pretty high level. I mean, obviously they had a Hall of Famer sure. in, in Brian Dawkins. You know, Donovan, say what you want about him, but at that time he was in the prime of his career and people like people got along fine with him from Brian Westbrook to Jeremiah Trotter to... I mean, Terrell Owens was getting in fights in the training room like every other day because people couldn't stand the person. Now, from a football standpoint, the one thing Andy is as good about as anyone is he's open-minded when you can play. And Terrell Owens could not – I mean, at the time, he could play better than anybody. So, of course, that first year was, you know, sunshine and rainbows – but that second year, that the, the Terrell O experience, and I, I think his head was so big by that time too, because he knew how good he was. Remember, sure, sure. the, the sit ups in the in the uh, when they sent him home from training camp the next year. The next year they sent him home. That that'd be like the equivalent of like the Steelers just sending Antonio Brown home from training camp right, right now. Can you imagine what a big story that would be? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, no, I mean, it was. It, it, I remember seeing, like, Drew Rosenhaus on PTI. It was an enormous story at the time. No, you almost wonder when I look at guys like Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, um, and I often think about this when it comes to the discussion uh, that we always have about LeBron James and Michael Jordan. LeBron doesn't get enough credit for the fact that he's playing in this day and age. Uh, like, what would Terrell Owens and Randy Moss's stories have been like if – Social media was then what it is now, um, and how yeah, how much more difficult would that? Be? That is something that Michael never dealt with. LeBron did. I mean, you could get any athlete when we compare him to the years gone by of what they deal with in 2018 that they didn't deal with as recently as a decade ago. So well, imagine on in the Twitter age, Randy Moss quit on the Raiders. Oh, now, that the Raiders was, were uh, a joke. Uh, but right. he'd get crushed. Oh, man, no question. M- M- Michael, quote-unquote, retired to go play baseball. Imagine the equivalent of that oh, now. Like with, with, Kevin Durant or LeBron mm. just left. That'd what, be crazy. And the rumors surrounding what was actually the reason behind it. Whether those His are father tr- was just murdered on, right. on the side of the road. Whether it was true, false, or otherwise, uh, social media, as we know, uh, doesn't stop to ask those questions. No, no it doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, that would have been, uh, been intense. Um, okay, Alex Marvez, right around the corner, Sirius XM NFL Radio. We'll get to your calls coming up, 877-99 on Fox as well. Uh, but first, let's get David Gascon in here. And, and I have been waiting all day to ask you a question, David Gascon, which is this. Um, yes. Your last name yes. is Gascon. Yes. Why does everyone think you're French? Because I am French. I, are, well, but why does everyone think that your last name in in 2018 is pronounced French, or am I the one getting it wrong? Because I have listened to host after host now refer to you as Mr. Gascon. 
Let's go to David Gascon. Is it Gascon or is it Gascon? It's Gascon. Thank you. But right. if we were in France. Well, <laughs> if we different. were in France, we would not be doing this. We would be eating chocolate croissants and would probably still be asleep, actually. As I go on to Skyscanner and look up two round trip tickets with Mark Willard to France. You're buying. <laughs> I don't have your I don't have the budget. Uh, I don't. Nobody's got the budget for that right now. Are you kidding me? Right, that's true. Yeah. Um, did you want me to go on a tiger watch today? Um, he's already done, isn't it? He is. Thankfully, he, I saw that he birdied the last <laughs> oh, hole. Here we go. And Golf Channel was doing this thing like uh. it's his. It, it's it's the final <laughs> hole at Firestone of his career. Are they never going back to Firestone or something? Did Tiger retire? What do I not know about what happened today? Yeah, just breaking news, right? Uh, he finished even for the uh, for the tournament, so he's obviously, like you mentioned, he's done. But Justin Thomas is your leader. He's at minus 15 through 5. Dustin Johnson's four strokes behind, but he's through 13 as we speak. And Rory McIlroy also tied for second place at 11 under par. Uh, in Major League Baseball, Angels trying to climb out of a hole. They were down 3-0 at the end of the first inning. Jose Ramirez, a three-run shot. Now it's the Tribe 4. Halos 2. It's in the top of the seventh. Mets, Braves tied three up. White Sox 5-4 advantage over the Rays. No score yet in Philadelphia between the Phillies and the Marlins. Off the diamond, uh, a couple notes. Astros have placed right-handed pitcher Lance McCullers on the 10-day DL. He has right elbow discomfort. Your San Diego Padres, Mark, they're getting rid of some pitchers. Uh, Tyson Ross got claimed off of waivers today yep. by the St. Louis Cardinals. And then Jordan Lyles claimed off of waivers by the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, that, that was the pods going, see, these are the guys we tried to get rid of at the deadline and nobody would give us anything cool, so we'll just get them out of here. White flag it is. Yep. Um, your team, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Richard Sherman, he's uh, he's going to be out for at least a week. He exited Friday's practice because of a tight hamstring, so that for precautionary reasons, they're going to keep him out. Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari diagnosed with a sprained left ankle. I'll be seeing some time off as well. And then according to Mary Kay Cabot, the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Plain dealer, Josh Gordon is getting close to return to camp with the Browns, but it won't be on Tuesday. And the reason why I bring that up is because if Gordon doesn't report by Tuesday, it'll be exactly 30 days before the Browns' season opener, which would allow him to receive a crude season an accrued season towards free agency. But now there are reports from the Cleveland Plain dealer that said the Browns will not limit Obviously, his free agent status coming up in 2019. So, good news for him. And then Eagles are bringing back safety. Corey Graham on a one-year contract. Who said that's good news for him? I'm not sure if that's good news for him. That's the Browns being like, so we're kind of we're kind of done with this headache, I think. Um, I, do you think? Yeah. I, I think that's more of like protecting him because – Maybe, maybe. Um, what a mess. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm still rooting for the guy. Let's get Alex Marvez into that conversation. Uh, Mark Willard, John Middlecoff. Fox Sports Radio Live, Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Geico.com or 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Alex, what do you know about that? What the heck's going on with Josh Gordon? Well, that's been the big mystery, you know what I mean? And it's great to be working with both of you, by the way. And listen, I'm a huge John Middlecoff fan. Someday I'll be working for him, hopefully. So yeah, I can just no, tell you, the guy, yeah. the, guy, the, the guy is a beast. So what a great addition <laughs> to the Fox Sports Radio lineup. For however long we have him, let us enjoy it. But, you know, listen, the Josh, the Josh Gordon situation, there's so much sensitivity surrounding it. And, you know, it, there's, it, there's so many just personal, psychological, mental health issues that are happening here. And coming off the Pro Football Hall of Fame where men are, mental health issues took center stage, you know, I think the way the Browns have approached this has been okay. They've given Josh Gordon extra time. He doesn't feel like he's ready right now. You know, and listen, they're getting, remember this, the NFL 
is offering the Cleveland Browns advice on how to handle this because they are part of this whole process. I mean, it, you know, when they reinstated Josh Gordon, you know, they're keeping tabs on him. They're keeping tabs with the psychologist and things like that to see where he's at. And, you know, from what I understand, there may just be a whole lot of pressure, not only on him, just because there is, because it's like, look, if you can't do it, for the Browns, maybe, you know, are you going to be able to get this done anywhere else? But but also just the fact that, you know, look, he's, he's putting it on himself because he hasn't played football in a long time, and he understands the financial ramifications. I'm just, you know, you hope – because, look, this is uncommon. Guys who are in the substance abuse program, when they get reinstated, generally, if, unless they have a slip-up, they show up to training camp. And in this case, Josh Gordon didn't. But, see, this will also tell you something right here, too, how special a talent Josh Gordon is that the Browns continue to put up for this year after year after year because he really can be that good a receiver. But at some point, especially with Antonio, Antonio Callaway coming on strong from what my sources tell me, they may be ready to move on sooner than later. Have you been to Browns camp, Alex? Uh, no, I have uh, spared myself that indignity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it, you know we all make fun of the Browns because they're the Browns, but talking to a couple buddies in the league, knowing a guy on that staff, I think a lot of people, not just with the Cleveland Browns, but even on other teams, think the Browns are going to be pretty darn good. Their roster is not bad. Their roster is not bad. How good is their head coach is the only thing That's I'm wondering right now with the Cleveland Browns. And you, yeah, and, you know, it's almost like John Dorsey is saddled with Hugh Jackson. You know, and when you have an owner that keeps, like, he's saying, well, this is, we consider this Hugh Jackson's first year on the job. Well, it's very easy for Jimmy Haslam to forget one in 31, and that's what he wants to do. But for two years, this has been a rudderless team, and Hugh Jackson bears a good amount of responsibility for that. Yeah, I understand that the roster was changing, but it is much harder to go 0-16 in the NFL, I think, than 16-0. and I Really, you know what I'm saying? Like To lose every single game every week and to find different ways to lose was a disaster, but you're right. You know, of course, look, they need Tyrod Taylor to stay healthy, but they are, they do have a decent backup in Drew Stanton. Of course, comes to worst. They are buying time for Baker Mayfield. They have a lot of weapons out of the backfield. I mean, Duke Johnson, you put him in the slot, and this guy's a nightmare for matchups. He is a fantastic receiving wide receiver. In fact, I think he was the third most effective slot target among running backs in the NFL last season. So you can do some mismatches with him. I'm a big Jarvis Landry fan. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the Dolphins trading a guy with 400 catches in his first four seasons that's never been done in NFL history, yet they didn't value him. The Browns have plenty of salary cap space available. They got him in. The guy who I'm watching is Miles Garrett. What are we going to get from him? I mean, he's already, if I'm not mistaken, on a bit of a pitch count as far as practices go to try to avoid soft muscle tissue injury. Is this going to be his career? Is he going to end up being hurt for much of it or potentially missing a game here, a game there? Is he really going to become that dominant force that we all thought he would be when a guy that looks like that type of physical phenom and had some good production in Texas A&M, not great but good, you know, to become the number one overall pick? What are the Browns going to get from him? Because they are pretty solid on defense and they have some very good coordinators. Alex Marvez joining us, Fox Sports Radio. Alex, gosh, it, it's a good thing that us media guys – are not like NFL players, and we rip our former employers uh, once we're gone. Oh, oh, wait, we do do that sometimes, don't we? <laughs> kind, kind of like Kelvin Benjamin. However, there's probably a little bit less backlash. I wonder not only how this is going to land with Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, uh, but how is this going to land even within his, his own new locker room in Buffalo? Well, a couple things about that. You know, it's fun. Panthers camp as we speak, and I'm still looking at the statue of Jerry Richardson. It hasn't been toppled over a la Saddam Hussein in 2003. So just to let you know, it's still standing here at Walford College. But, you know, when it comes to Kelvin, listen, out of the, Kelvin Benjamin, it's like I was talking to some folks here, and it's like out of all people to be talking about Cam Newton 
Kelvin Benjamin? Mm. Really? I, I mean, look, the guy at one point in his career was 270 pounds. You remember those <laughs> photos a couple years ago? And he's sitting yeah. here blaming Cam Newton for him not reaching his full potential as a wide receiver. I truly, initially, when Kelvin came to the, to the Panthers, the thinking was that Cam would nurture him, you know, work with him. Kelvin would want to work with him. Those guys would spend time together off the field. And you'd see Kelvin Benjamin mature as both a person and as a receiver. Well, we never really saw either of them, to be quite honest with you. And I think you saw some of that immaturity on display with Kelvin. He's not been able to stay healthy over the past couple of seasons. I mean, he, you know, the Bills traded some third-round picks for him. And, and you know, listen, they, you know, they thought, and this is from people inside the organization, they thought that a change of scenery would do Kelvin Benjamin some good. Clearly it didn't. But all, none of this erases the fact, by the way, that Cam Newton isn't the most accurate quarterback. Why do you think they drafted a guy who's a six foot six, 240-pound moose out of Florida State? because of his catch radius, right? It was the same thing with Devin Funches. Now, as the years have gone by, they have taken some smaller wide receivers. I'm not sure if that's the best thing for Cam Newton, who's, you know, had his literally career 57, 58% completion and I might be being generous there. So, you know, one of the reasons they hired Norv Turner, they want to make him a more accurate passer. And from what I understand in this camp, Cam has been more accurate. He's more willing now to go to the check down. So obviously big things coming up from Christian McCaffrey, who's going to be a weapon teamed up with C.J. Norb Turner, he loves his running backs, and you will see these guys in action and then try to get the nine route going You know, with, with some of the talent that they have here, a la Torrey Smith. But this offense, it's a big question because some people are wondering, does Norb Turner's system still work in today's NFL? We've seen Scott Linehan of the Dallas Cowboys take a beating from Des Bryant, talking about how they don't put guys in motion, everyone's stationary, there's no originality to the offense. And you know, even though Des is Des, I think he does have a point there, and the Cowboys are going to refresh things. Can Norv come back and get this offense humming at the type of level that Mike Shula had it at at times? One of the big questions of the 2018 season. One story I saw this morning and just kind of made me shake my head was John Gruden said that Martavius Bryant basically needs to pick it up or, you know, his spot's in trouble. And John Gruden was the guy that traded a third-round pick for this guy that had already been suspended over a season and I, I had talked to a team in the league when this trade happened that was a wide receiver needy, needy team, and they said they wouldn't go above a fifth rounder, and that was even felt rich. Is it safe to say that the John Gruden personnel experience, uh, not as a coach, we haven't seen any of that yet, but just as the, the lead dog in the organization, has been a little bumpy so far? Yeah, uh, Underwhelming is one way of looking at it, right? I mean, most teams are trying to get younger. And, you know, and keep talent like that and then use, take advantage of your rookie salary cap and, uh, you know, be able to build your team like that. And then you sign the players that you want and you add a couple pieces in free agency. And instead with John Gruden, one has to wonder if this is just going to be a yearly thing, signing veterans on minimum type contracts and, you know, having this ever changing group of personnel because what John Gruden runs on the offensive side of the football with the verbiage, uh, you know, you want experienced players understand you know what an nfl offense is and john doesn't have the, the most patience in the nfl which is really no. interesting for a con- guy given a 10-year contract right uh, so i mean i don't know what they're doing there to be honest with you i don't know if, how much regiment that they're doing there because he's doing Gruden's bidding look at the way they spent money this offseason but you didn't take care, care of khalil mack it wasn't like the rams who added pieces and yes they have money for aaron donald Kevin Demoff told me last week from the Rams, the COO of the team, that what they're arguing about is structure of the contract. The Rams want to structure the deal a certain way. Aaron Donald's people want to structure it another way. But, you know, the financial figures are in the same ballpark. Okay, so you can work with that, and hopefully they'll come to some yeah. sort of a on that. But when it comes to Khalil Mack, it looks like nothing is happening. And you've you know, already, you know, done this. You've disenfranchised your franchise player 
with the way that you've treated him. John, I really have questions about this Gruden experiment, and you're right about Martavis Bryant. Look, I don't honestly, I, I don't, I don't want this to sound cruel or anything, but I don't know if he has the capacity to be a multi-tool wide receiver. I don't know if he. I think he can be very effective in a limited role, but if you're talking about him being a one or a two, ugh, I, I'm just I'm not. I'm not buying it. Yeah. Alex Marvez, great stuff as always. Sirius XM, NFL Radio. Always enjoy our conversations. Thank you, bud. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, John, I hope your back doesn't get sore from carrying Mark for uh, the next year. Uh, <laughs> well, so, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> uh, no promises on that, by the way. Um, there he goes, Alex Marvez. Okay, 877-99 on Fox. And coming up next, uh, an athlete gets uncomfortably honest. Fox Sports Radio. I hate that song. All right, with John Middlecoff, Mark Weather. Great news. Quick way you could save some money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. John, let me ask you this. Do, do you like it when an athlete or sports, sports personality gets brutally honest? I love it. I mean, I wish they were all that honest all the time. It's why it's why I support Kevin Durant when he blasts people on Twitter. I mean, what's okay. the, that's the point of Twitter. It's just because you're famous doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be candid and blast people on Twitter. I, I know me, the media is like, "Why well, he shouldn't be doing it? He's too famous." That's the whole point of the media, right? You know, is to be able to interact with people. I mean, all the media people who are like, "Why do you react to trolls on Twitter?" It's like you do. Like, yeah, like he, all the media people are saying that you do just because he's richer and more famous and has, uh, you know, a hundred thousand times the following uh, that some of us have. Uh, we do it too. So why I, not him? I think the guy that put it best recently was when Josh Rosen, before he got drafted, he was on Coward Show. Yes. And he basically said that, you know, if I don't say anything, then I get crushed. If I tell you what I really believe, then I get crushed. What do you guys want? Thank you. You know? Well, and it's I, just, he, he was he was right on the money. So I actually said something very similar about Des Bryant about a week and a half ago. And Des ended up interacting with it. And so a lot of people on Twitter did as well. And by no means was I saying the situations were similar, but I, I was basically bringing up, like, watch what we all do to athletes. Kawhi Leonard still to this moment has not said a word, and he has been widely ripped. Des Bryant comes out and says something that makes us uncomfortable, and he's widely ripped. And I'm like, you got to pick one. You can't just rip. The guys who are quiet were like, you should talk. The guys who talk were like, you should be quiet. So that I, I do feel like that is uh, that's an inherent unfairness, and I wonder how it applies to Kelvin Benjamin. And for those of you who don't know what he said, we'll just paraphrase. Um, and he wasn't really led to water here. He brought it up. Someone was like, how would you recap your career in Carolina? And he started taking shots at Cam Newton. And, and he said, listen, if I had had a more accurate quarterback like an Eli Manning or an Aaron Rodgers, you know this would have been a lot better. I was the best guy out of my draft class. By the way, that class includes – Names like Odell Beckham. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and so we mostly don't agree, I would think, with what he's saying. But I'm interested in whether or not it's okay that he said it. What do you think about that? Also Mike Evans, also Brandon Cooks. Yep. I mean, that was an incredible wide receiver draft <laughs> yes. ahead of him. I, I, I would say this. I, I do agree with some of the things he says. Like Cam Newton is, for as much as – 
when he's on, he is as good as anyone. But when he's just playing his normal game, he is very hit or miss. I mean, he will sail some balls. Uh, no one would dispute his physical attributes are just unlike maybe anything we've ever seen. I remember one time walking right by him when he played the 49ers, I think his second year. He's basically the LeBron James of football yep. in terms of yep. playing quarterback. Uh, but I would say this about Kelvin Benjamin, where it's like, bro, you were fat, you were lazy, you had your own issues. You know, when Steve Smith, was, I think, was cut by the Panthers and ended up going to the Ravens, he had some choice words, I think, for Dave Gettleman and some of the Panthers and maybe even Cam. I don't remember specifically, but he was allowed to say that. His resume spoke for itself. No one could take shots at Steve that he didn't work hard enough, that he didn't know what was going on, that he didn't understand every game plan each week. To me, if you are going to take shots, you better have a pretty flawless resume of on the field, of just doing everything the right way. So I, I do get people like Kelvin, you know, again, you were 270 pounds like two years. You came into the into training camp with a belly. And so – I. Cam Newton deserves some heat over the years. I, I was, I attended that Super Bowl, and I had a lot of money on the Broncos because I didn't trust Cam. And then I, where I was sitting, he was bad in that game. He, yeah. he was terrible. But, uh, you know, so he he's had his low moments, but Kelvin's had way more. You yeah. know, I, has Kelvin ever had a good moment? I, I mean, he had a 1,000-yard season, didn't he? You know, I mean, it's not like greatness, but, I mean, he he's not he's not been awful. Um, look, look, I think you even just said it. There's a little bit of truth somewhere in there that he's saying. Um, and and in general, I love it Clear, when— Clearly they didn't get along. Yeah, you know right. I mean? And I mean, in, in general, um, I love that he did this because that's how we learn about guys. It's a window into what they're thinking, who they are. Doesn't mean we have to agree with it. I simply love that he did it. He clearly wanted to get it off his chest because nobody even asked him specifically, and yeah. he brought it up. So— that's interesting to me, and that's what I always look for. Now, here's something, though. I have three kids, John, that I always tell my kids because, as you know, kids, it's always someone else's fault, right? Mm-hmm. You, you get into an argument on the schoolyard. We get a call from the principal's office. Kid's going to come home, act like nothing happened. You, you know. They don't know you know. You ask them about it, and boom. Uh, no, it was Billy. He, he started it. He pushed me first. What we teach our kids is, look, almost – Almost nothing is all your fault, but I guarantee you almost nothing is all someone else's fault too, and so all you can do is focus on what you contributed to the problem. That's the only thing you can control. So, you know, look, I'm not Kelvin Benjamin's dad, but uh, if I were giving him advice, I'd be like, look, kind of like what you just said, John, there, there were some things that you messed up too. You didn't get Cam Newton, but by the way, you also didn't get Deshaun Kaiser. Like this could have been even worse. Why don't yeah. you just why don't you focus on where you came up short? And here's the thing: you open your mouth like that, you better bring it this season, That's right? Exactly. You better be making some plays. You you better be in the best shape of your life because people are going to be looking for you to fail now. And, and oh, by the way, who's his quarterback this year? Not the most <laughs> we, accurate guy. We don't even know who his quarterback is <laughs> this year. Okay, Mark Willard, John Middlecoff, your calls coming up next eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. And what should Ohio State do with Urban? That's next. Beanie Wells in a half hour. We're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, We did a very random, maybe not so random, sample yesterday here on Fox, John, uh, with regard to what people think Urban Meyer 
um, and Ohio State should do uh, coming up next to sort of figure out this whole thing. And it was, again, I don't believe in polls anymore. The, the, the last presidential election uh, made me never believe in any poll <laughs> I ever see ever again, right? So, uh, so polls are, are, are silly. Um, however, if they're really intense with what they tell you, then maybe I look at them. This was intense. We started getting calls. Every call we got from Ohio, John, every call we got from Ohio, including women, were like, oh, oh, oh this is ridiculous. Urban Meyer stays. This is not his fault. Um, however, when you left the state of Ohio, uh, as you might imagine, the, the numbers would start to switch a little bit. But it was intense, man. Like the lo- And we even had some of the guys on from uh, the Columbus radio station, 105.7, and they, they tell a story. I mean, you, you can't find somebody in Ohio that thinks Urban Meyer that should be fired. You know what's bizarre is I follow Ohio State on Twitter and Instagram, and, and they're just tweeting out pictures at practice because I think they started on Friday like, you know, everything's normal. Right. And I, the only thing I keep thinking about is, like, their, their head coach, not just any head coach, I mean, probably the second best coach in all of college football, and who has beaten Saban head-to-head multiple times now, so you could argue on, on any given day he might be the best, is nowhere to be found. Uh, college football – in college sports in general, but definitely football and basketball, are very cultish. And once you get a superstar coach, you don't want to let him go. So I understand where everyone in the Ohio State region, if you're a fan, why you're going to defend Urban. But to me, this one's basically pretty black and white. Regardless, he's not the police. It wasn't his job to arrest this guy based on the information he had. If he's telling the truth in his statement and he pushed it up the ladder, coaches and, and players in the NFL are no different, and coaches in the NFL, get fired for way less. You know, coaches are fired every year when staff turnover happens, when rankings, you know, when your offense is bad one year to another, when the coach just doesn't like you anymore, when he feels he can upgrade. So to me, Urban can say he did the right thing and pushing it up the channel if we're to believe him at face value of his statement. But to me, once you start getting those rumors, how do you not just replace the guy? How do you not just remove the problem? And to me, regardless what we find out, that's not going to be defensible because him saying to this assistant coach, if you hit her, you're gone, just the rumors multiple times, right, because something happened in 09, then it happened again in 15, should have been enough for him just to cut the cord. And that's what I think most people – to just take a deep breath and aren't overreacting, don't have a dog in this fight, just can't quite come to grips with. Like, why did Urban give this guy so many chances to put his own career now in peril? Well, it, there's some sort of incredible blind loyalty going on. I think a lot of people, if you've been following this story, you know that Urban Meyer looks at a guy by the name of Earl Bruce, who has now passed away, as his main mentor. He, he basically yeah. has stated before that outside of his own dad – Earl Bruce is the man he looked up to most in his life. And Zach Smith is Earl Bruce's grandson. So, uh, obviously, if you trace the story back to its its roots, Zach Smith only was hired in the first place as a favor to Earl Bruce. And, and so, uh, it was obviously very, very difficult for Urban to, to cut that cord. But I'm glad you brought that up because it's what so many people I hear talk about this are missing. They go, oh... He got caught lying at media day, but now he's admitted that he was lying. 
And if he truly did send it up the the uh, the food chain at Ohio State, then we're all good. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, no, you're you're missing the whole point. Even if he sent it up the food chain, uh, then the next question goes, how come the top of the food chain didn't do something about it? And then we go to our sensibilities, which is in actuality, Urban Meyer is the top of the food chain when it comes to who's on his staff. So even if he did the right legal thing, you still have a glaring question of why did you repeatedly keep him on your staff? And I think that's totally fair. It's not on me to decide whether he's hired or fired, but I can share the opinion that I believe that to be unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I, I, I completely agree. If if Urban, I don't know how this is going to play out. I, I would probably lean he keeps his job, but in these situations, nothing will shock me. If he does lose his job and he is fired, let's just say, before the season, I think Gene Smith, who is you know a media darling and can do no wrong as an you know he's one of the most famous athletic directors runs and I think the most profitable athletic department in all of college sports he'd be in major trouble yep. too yep if if Urban goes Gene's gone because we, we, we've seen this play out before right the the AD again I, I'm with you this is Urban has more power at the program than Gene Smith that's yes. anyone that spent any time around college football. A, a coach of this magnitude. I, I've heard stories like the AD has to tech, text the agent just to talk to Nick Saban. You know, like he, <laughs> the, the, these college coaches. Amazing. All, the, these college coaches are on a completely different level. Oh. Now, Gene Smith is a high level AD, but to me, he would be just as culpable if he knew. And Urban sure as hell didn't hesitate to throw him under the uh, bus in that statement, did he? No, he did not. And by the way, I'll share another story with you. I'll leave the names out of it. If you know my uh, resume and history, you'll all be able to figure this out. But I'll leave the names in the school out of it, but I'll tell you a story. One of these coaches, super high-powered, successful coach, um, he's not at his school anymore. Um, but there was a controversy at the time with his then-offensive coordinator. And they weren't necessarily seeing eye-to-eye, although they were having a ton of success. And uh, everybody from a fan base standpoint loved both of these guys. But there was, it was almost like a Belichick-Brady thing. It's like, who's getting the credit for all of the yeah. things that are happening here? And so it got to a point where that head coach was like, we're changing offensive coordinators. The night before that decision was made, the offensive coordinator, who had a good relationship with the athletic director, called the athletic director and said, I just want to coach ball can you stop this from happening? And the athletic director did not pause. He said, no, I cannot stop this from happening. So if there's any question in your mind when it comes to a Saban or a Meyer or a Sweeney or people like that, they are running the whole show, period. I, you know where I think Urban takes the most flack, and I, I call him, my nickname for him is Fraud Meyer. I think the moment he faked that heart attack and the resume of players he had at Florida and then say he needed to take time off and he went right back to work, I, I've never taken him that seriously because he, Nick Saban acts more like Belichick, right? It's a black and white business. It's about winning and losing. It's about if you don't get done, I'll force you to transfer. We view Saban almost as an NFL coach, sure. the way he operates his program, even though I've known people that work there, he's clearly pretty good with his players. 
he doesn't, you know, Urban talks so much about the classic college football stuff, shaping lives and doing all this stuff. And it's like, Urban, yeah, you had a murderer on, on your, you know, that played for you at Florida. Like, that's right. factual. We, yep. we know that happened. Now you have a domestic violence under your watch. Like, your resume now is not like, like, Pete Carroll had sanctions. Saban's had a couple issues, but nothing like Urban. Oh, and Urban, not, more right. than all these guys, constantly talks about, you know, all the character stuff off the field. Like, it feels like of all the elite coaches, he talks about it nonstop. O- over 30 arrests in six years at Florida, and I'm not one that says, if somebody gets arrested, Urban, it's your fault. But I'm if, with you. But if all of those guys keep getting arrested, and then we look at the record of, oh, and by the way, none of them ever missed a game? <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute. Then, 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 well, then that is on ha- you, Urban. And how, ba- how bad a shape was that program when he left? Just in terms of, I think Muschamp was the guy that followed him. The what he inherited, the state of that program, it was in shambles. You know that I, people forget. Like that, I do not forget that. And you know whether you believe his physical ailments, whatever. He said he needed to take time off, and he went right to work. I, I, I've just always viewed him as fraudulent. But I can also separate. He's one of the best coaches at any level I've ever seen. Clearly. No one would dispute that. Yep. You know, and if he wasn't that good. Uh, you know, if he w- now if he wasn't that good, he probably wouldn't be at Ohio State. But even if he was at Ohio State and it had gone, just let's say his last three years had been like Jim Harbaugh's, he- he'd probably be done. Uh, Mark Willard and John Middlecoff, Fox Sports Radio. By the way, when Belichick's name comes up, it does remind me of yesterday. Did you find it interesting? Because I did. That Randy Moss saved Bill Belichick for last. Like, you save the best for last. We've watched a lot of Hall of Fame speeches in the last seven days, baseball, NFL, and guys will save their wives or their mom or, like, that yeah. person that did the most for them. Randy Moss saved Bill Belichick for last. That was fascinating. Uh, I was thinking this driving in today. If his career, you know, the peak of Minnesota, and then he was traded to Raiders, let's just say he was never able to get it back, you know, on track. Would he have still been a Hall of Famer? Uh, I mean, probably just not. off the top of your head. No, not prob- like numbers prob- Probably not. Probably not like the yeah. New England experience solidified that. Yeah, just took him to a whole nother yes. level. Yes, it, it made him almost untouchable. Like when you think Randy Moss, his best season, even though he might have been a little quicker, more athletic, at young days in Minnesota, that '07 year when they basically, I mean, they lost in the Super Bowl, but ran the table. He was unlike he probably the best season we've ever seen no right doubt. at a wide receiver just no the doubt. most dominant uncoverable it didn't yeah he was going deep and there was nothing you could do um, all right Fox Sports Radio eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox Beanie Wells in less than twenty minutes um, and speaking of Moss let's get back to that T O Ray Lewis few of you want to weigh in eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox we'll take your calls and also speaking of Belichick um, he is. And I have it on good authority. You probably do too. He's totally different than than the way uh, people think that he is. I got a good Belichick story that I'll share that'll surprise a lot of people. Coming up next, Fox Sports Radio. I'm not on Snapface. All right, great news. Quick way you can save some money: switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com. 15 minutes. You could save 15 percent or more. On car insurance. Looking forward to Beanie Wells coming up. Um, This story coming out of the Angels in baseball is just so baseball. Um, 
even the word that Sosha used to respond to the report this morning <laughs> is so baseball. So uh, that's coming up. Um, but uh, let's hear from Michael in Austin. He was listening to us, John, talk about the whole T.O., Ray Lewis dichotomy and dynamic from yesterday. Michael, what did you want to say? Go ahead. I, I really just want to blast John, but you're not going to give me the floor to do that, so I'll just say this. Well, you, make, John, you make such assumptions, Michael. Yeah, Why, go well, ahead. Yeah, man. Uh, it's open forum. <laughs> John, you're an idiot when you say that Ray Lewis had nothing to do. It was proven or whatever. Obstruction of justice. He was convicted for obstruction of justice. And tell the family who lost that person that Ray Lewis had nothing to do with that. He was there. It was proven he was there. But let's put that aside. I, I said he, I said he I said he didn't murder him. If I said he had nothing but, to do with it, I, I'm not saying he wasn't. But murder, present. murder in the legal sense, is someone who's there who didn't stop it, who was complicit in some way, who protected to help cover up. He beat that charge. He beat that charge. Not everyone beats that charge. Not everyone pulls the trigger. And I guess OJ's innocent but, as well. But anyway, no, that, oh, know, come on, so, I mean, Michael, it, Michael, that's it, not that, fair. That seems a little extreme. That's not fair. That okay, seems a right, little uh, extreme. But so okay, moving on to Tio. Tio had problems potentially in the locker room with one or two popular people. If you talk to ex-teammates of uh, uh, Tio, Tio was fine. Tio was a hard worker. He got on players for not working hard. So you're going to blast. You're going to say a guy has no humility. When Ray Lewis is all about himself, his whole speech, his whole speech was about Ray. Crime stops when people are watching me. Crime stops. Everything that Ray Lewis does is about, he is the most, uh, humility is not a part of his dichotomy, period. Uh, Michael, thanks. See, we let you say everything you wanted to say. Uh, John, I told you that there were some people I knew. I could just feel it. And, you, you know, social media, you're watching that last night. And I'm, there are going to be people who eat this up, and there are going to be people that want to vomit this out. Um, I, I, you could just tell that it was going to land that way. Michael's one of them. Um, listen, whatever you think about Ray Lewis in a legal sense, I'm not putting him in the same sentence as, uh, as, as O.J. Simpson. Um, but again, I'll almost go back to the statement I made a few minutes ago about Kelvin Benjamin. I don't have to like what you say for me to like that you're saying it, right? And so that's what I loved about both Ray Lewis and Terrell Owens yesterday, which is that I felt like we got a real good window into who they are, how they'd handle things. And then once they do that, you can do whatever you want with it as a viewer. And, and I don't disagree with the last caller in the sense that I, I – Trust me, Ray Lewis has some fraudulent characteristics and things that he kind of hangs his hat on. But just doing some research back to the murder thing, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the two guys that allegedly murdered uh, either the person or was it multiple people didn't go to jail either. The the murder is still unsolved, you know? I mean, it's pretty fascinating when you go back and read it. It wasn't – I know we pin it all on Ray. And again, I'm not saying Ray was – an innocent bystander in the sense that he didn't kill anyone, but he was, I, I do believe he was there. He knows what's happened. Oh, I think and he's, he yeah, he's cop to he, that. He was there. Yeah, yes. he pleaded guilty to it, you know, of getting rid of his, I mean, he burned his white suit, right, that yeah. allegedly had blood all over it. Yep. Uh, so, again, I 
I'm not saying Ray Lewis is someone I'd want just on a daily basis for like my kid to look up to. You know, he's not a <laughs> flawless human being. I, I just think from a football sense, and that's what I was talking about when we were getting in the conversation earlier. Ray just inside the locker room, and you know, just being the team leader consistently. You know, on a really good team for what 15 plus years as their guy. That Terrell Owens, yeah, a lot of people like Des Bryant. No one ever said he didn't work hard on the practice field, right? You can be a pain and work hard. That's that's part of being in the NFL. I mean, you you don't last and become a good player if you don't work hard I, I, in I, terms I, of like practicing hard. I think that's true in almost any business. I mean, you've worked with a lot of different people, even in this media business. I would say um, that the the ones who are really good uh, can be a pain. They, yeah. they, they they'd be a pain to be around sometimes because they're demanding and uh, they're they're usually um, I don't want to call them an emotional roller coaster, but I think a lot of us uh, you know we're 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 passionate, we're emotional, we're demanding. That's true in any business. I, and I would imagine there were guys over the years that played with Ray. Because he was such a good player, you obviously just respect him. That's sure. the, the easiest way to get respect is by dominating on the field. But in terms of his his message consistently as a vocal leader, may, may have tuned him out. Not not everyone needs, just like like you said, in any business, doesn't need to be motivated. Some people are just naturally motivated. Some people need a little kick in the butt. But not everyone on a 53-man roster you know, needs daily motivation. They're motivated enough. They're in the NFL for a reason. They are pretty self-driven. So I would imagine you could get multiple guys, probably not on record, but if you knew him personally, would tell you, yeah, Ray's, Ray's speeches before practice and games didn't do anything for me. It was more for show. It, I heard the same thing. If you knew players and people around the 49ers with Jim Harbaugh, remember how viral it went? Yes. Who's got it better than us and all that stuff and <laughs> what he was doing the Niners? It was everyone's like, God, this is really cool. A lot of players by like year two didn't listen to any of it. They didn't, you know, Pat, Patrick Willis didn't need to hear who's got it better than us. He just went out and made tackles. That's right. Yeah. And it wears on people and all that. And I'm sure from both their standpoints. Um, by the way, that's true right now with Bill Belichick. Probably from Tom Brady's standpoint, that's become exactly yeah, that's become clear over the last year. And by the way, because Brady has such cachet in the locker room, it's kind of trickled down to a lot of the other players. However, I'll say this, and it reminded me of it when Randy Moss brought up and saved Bill Belichick for last last night. I thought to myself, man, there there probably is not a guy in sports uh, who is more different in real life than his public persona. Now, I think his public persona is part of who he is. But it's just a fraction of it. Like, I uh, I work during the week on the radio with a guy who was drafted by Belichick and played for him for three or four years. And um, this, is, this is the way Belichick handled it when that guy, who was a backup offensive lineman, was cut. Bill called him directly. And then after he informed him that he was going to be cut, they sat on the phone together for 45 minutes. And talked about life, talked about what's important, maybe some advice and some guidance about what's next. When you hear from the guys who are actually on the inside, and this is why I reject the whole idea of, even if you've got a bunch of teammates who are like, yeah, I didn't love playing with T.O., I reject media guys being like, well, he's a bad teammate. Like, well, wait a minute, you you weren't his teammate, and, and from the outside looking in, you, you're, you're, you're either just making a, a, a random judgment or you're taking someone else's story because right now today, Tom Brady might tell you and, and Gronk might tell you, yeah, Belichick is wearing on me. This is a little annoying. 
there's a line of guys around the block, Randy Moss included, who think that Bill Belichick is is one of the softest and, and like kindest you, you, coaches out there in the NFL. It's why even as bad as it probably has got the last couple of years in terms of tension between Brady and Bill, the one thing why I, I, I don't think Tom would ever not respect him because the one element that Bill can always give to Tom is he can always help him on the field. He could always give him you know, nuggets, game plan, uh, recommendations every single week to help Tom be a better player. So as they may butt heads about personality and the way certain things are handled, and to me it's pretty clear, Belichick was ready to move on from Brady with a younger Garoppolo, which isn't really that crazy. I mean, he, Brady's 41 years old. Eventually it's going to happen. And Bill finally had his you know, his Steve Young to Brady's Joe Montana, right? It, it was time, even though it wasn't that it wasn't as easy because unlike Joe, Brady was healthy, winning the MVP, he was still really good. But Brady knew. I mean that to me it that it all stems from that. Just the nature of what Bill was ultimately gonna do to Tom. I mean, Tom's a little selfish here. He's okay with him getting rid of every other player, Wes right. Loker, Logan Mankins, <laughs> right. as long as it's not Tom. Right. Right. So I, Tom's in his own little world there, as he should be. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback ever, but Tom wouldn't want to be treated like that as he caught wind that it was going to be Jimmy's time. Tom did not like that at all. All right, what team uh, says even a first-round draft pick would not be good enough for us to give you our backup quarterback? We'll tell you about that in a couple of minutes. Why baseball is being just oh-so-baseball today, still ahead this hour as well. Uh, Mark Willard, John Middlecoff, Fox Sports Radio, and of course, uh, our, our friend from France, David Gascon, uh, is here as well with the absolute latest. Uh, what's up, man? How we doing, Dave? I'm good. You know, Philip Rivers could play in the, in the Major League Baseball with his vernacular. Uh, uh, there's there's some dead gum going on there. A lot of it. He, no, no he, you know, Philip should have just been a college football player forever. I know. If he'd just, like, gone somewhere in the South. Um, and stayed there forever, which is, by the way, where he'll go when he's done, too. He's going to go be one of them down there in the South football coaches when he's all done. Yeah, I don't know. Is he going to be a coach or is he going to – I mean, I don't know. He's got like, what, seven, eight kids? He's got eight kids. He'll be he'll be a coach, but it won't be at the high level. Man. I think he wants to, like, coach, you know, high school football. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, you could see him versus Brett Favre on the sidelines. <laughs> that'd be kind of fun, actually. Brett's in jeans and – That's right. Um, Philip is uh, – Has a hat on. Yeah, Philip's got a hat on. They're both saying daggum. <laughs> I'd go to that press conference. <laughs> be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of Major League Baseball right now, George Springer absolutely owns the Dodgers. He had a leadoff home run for Houston in the top of the first – but Brian Dozier came right back with an RBI double that plated two, so LA now leads Houston two one. <laughs> this is a big game. This is a big game in 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 August in baseball. I've noticed this in Southern California this week, Dave, because the Astros have won the first two games of the series, right? Uh, they've punched the Dodgers in yeah, the mouth. Though. There, there is a major inferiority Astros-related complex going on because the Dodger fans are starting <laughs> to feel it again. Of they course. got Manny and all this stuff. And the Astros came in and just flicked them the last two days, and everyone's like, oh, crap, we're still not good enough to win the whole thing. And you think, too, when you see a guy like Verlander on Friday night, he had 14 strikeouts in seven and two-thirds innings. That would have been a guy pretty good to like look at, maybe at the trade deadline last <laughs> season, and all of a sudden he comes back and bites them in the World Series. But 
Yeah, they've been dominant. Now, speaking of dominant, later on tonight, you also get Boston and New York. New York's been hammered the last three nights by the Red Sox, too, and they're eight and a half games in front in the division. David Price is on the mound versus Masahiro Tanaka. He's looking to stop the bleeding for the pinstripes in that one. First pitch is at 8 o'clock Eastern from Fenway. A couple games have just gone final. Indians beat the Angels 4-3. Nationals dump the Reds 2-1. And yeah, the A's and Tigers just underway from Oakland. There's no score. Same with uh, Seattle and Toronto. Giants and Diamondbacks just underway. Top of the second, no score. Buster Posey's back in the lineup for San Francisco. Off the diamond, Astros have placed right-handed pitcher Lance McCullers on the 10-day DL. Brewers have claimed right-handed pitcher Jordan Lyles off waivers from San Diego. Cardinals did the same thing with right-handed pitcher Tyson Ross. A couple of notes in the NFL. Richard Sherman out at least one week because of a tight hamstring. Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari diagnosed with a sprained ankle. And then a couple, or actually just one note, we're talking about the NBA going on right now. Clippers are reportedly finalizing a deal that will send Sam Decker to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, there you go. That'll replace LeBron. Ouch. It's all good. Ouch. It's all good. All right, Dave. Good stuff. Thanks, man. You bet. Live Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. Only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. John, have you been out to Niners camp yet? I was there earlier this week. How does Sherman look? I, th- I thought he looked fine. I, You know, he's never been... I, I don't know if you saw some of the viral videos yes. of him getting smoked by Marquise Goodwin. I mean, Marquise Goodwin's running by just about anyone in the league in that scenario. I mean, he's a track... He's an Olympian. I mean, he can fly, and Kyle's turned him into a good player. But when Richard, when you tried to run underneath stuff on him and he could press you, he, he looked, you know, not probably prime Richard Sherman, but I, th- I thought he looked solid. This is, I don't know if it's a setback, him hurting his hammy. I, I also think they're just taking it a little slow with him. Yeah. It's, you know, he's probably like, just give him a week off. He proved that I, I would have bet, if you would have told me I was out there at OTAs, and he was basically like a coach on the field. They weren't having him practice. Just watching him walk with that Achilles, he kind of like limped and stiff-legged. I would have been like, oh, there's no chance he's going to be ready for training camp. And, you know, then he was. So I I give him – he clearly – I mean, he's a high-level guy. I mean, he must have been attacking the rehab the last couple months. Because it wasn't like he tore his Achilles two years ago. This happened mid-season last year. Right. (laughs) I, I was surprised at the lack of discussion about that when he signed. Because I was like, don't don't teams realize like he he's probably not gonna play the first four games of the season, and uh, uh, yeah, now now maybe he will. Look, one thing I've learned uh, over the years of watching this, uh, veterans do not need to do anything no. the first half of August. Like you you look right now, the Chargers have lost multiple tight ends, including their starter. They've got a future Hall of Famer sitting there, uh, ready to potentially retire, who apparently wants to come back. And they haven't signed him yet, and we. This is Antonio Gates. And, why do you, Why do you think that is? My guess would be there are three possibilities, but my guess is is because Antonio's like, I'm not going to training camp. I don't need training camp. Either that, or Gates wants thank you money that the Chargers aren't willing to pay. Or three, this is a PR problem for the Chargers because they actually don't think he's got anything left, and they don't want him, but they don't know how to say that. I'd probably lean with the last thing you said. Really? And but also somewhere, you know, the thing you said in the middle, did the Chargers don't want to pay? No, that couldn't be the San Diego <laughs> yeah. Chargers not wanting to pay. Yeah. I mean, they Remember earlier when you were like some owners are different than others? Dean Spanos is at the very front of that list on the bottom end of the NFL owners being different than others. 
And what's crazy is, you know, my, my family is from Northern California in the Valley and worked in business and farms. So they knew the Spanos family up and down the stuff. Like Dean Spanos wasn't just born on third base. His grandpa and dad were legends in the business community in California. <laughs> right. And he has, you know, I, I would say Mark Davis probably still in the lead, but Mark doesn't have to share a stadium anymore. Yep. You know, he... he just give Mark credit whether this is going to work or not, was willing to spend a lot of money on a coach. I mean, Dean will only hire you if you're a cheap head coach. He, he when, when is Dean Spanos ever going to hire a seven, eight, nine million dollar coach? That, that's just not going to happen, nope, right? Nope, nope, won't no happen. No chance. Yeah. Zero chance. They're, they're lucky, it seems like, sure, you know him. I, I don't know him personally, but just from the outside, the, the general manager is pretty legit. Uh, that's. Oh I yeah, Tom Telesco. Yeah, is good yeah. at his job. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a good. T- he's a solid talent evaluator. I think yeah. he's smart. But again, yeah, they 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 get uh, they get hamstrung by the Charger way, which is the uh, which is the wrong way. I think it's been proven every year. The one thing they're finally doing right, and I think it's because they moved to L.A. is they're finally signing their draft picks without any uh, any 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 controversy. And the reason they're doing that is because. They're uber aware of bad PR right now because they have so much of it. They just can't deal with that anymore. So I think little things like offset language, which is what led to Joey Bosa's holdout a couple of years ago, I, they're just like, we're not doing that anymore. You know, If that's what it takes, we're not doing it anymore. And look who's butting heads with it right now. Another organization, the Bears, that yep. you know don't have – I mean, they rich, but no, they don't have Paul Allen or Kroenke – you know, type money. E- even Jed right now, with the money that he's made from Levi's, they don't have any issues. They they have no cash flow issues. And to me, the Chargers, the sad part is if they don't get it done this year in terms of they should win the division. And they if they were in a position where if I told you, you know, they had some sweet head coach. I, I'm not a big Anthony Lynn guy. I just some knowing some people around the league that work with him. I don't know. I'm just I'm not buying in. I, I think he's going to hold him back. Rivers. Clearly getting a little long in the tooth, but I, I still think you can win with them. The, the, this division, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs are going to take a step back ultimately to take sure. steps forwards in the future because of the young quarterback. The Broncos, I don't think, are any good. And the rate, I mean, the, John Gruden hasn't coached in 10 years. Yeah, the Chargers, yeah. there is zero, and their roster is just good. It's yep. why Hunter Henry is a way bigger blow, in my opinion, than, than Verrett just because Jason was always hurt. Yeah, right? they've, they've, mean, they've, they've, they can play without Verrett. They've, they haven't had Verrett for the most games since they drafted him. So Exactly. Yeah, and they drafted a DB in the first round. I know right. he's a different position, but, I mean, Derwin's pretty pretty versatile chess piece that they can use in the you know to cover guys. Yeah, and so. they still got Casey Hayward. Like, they're fine. You're, you're right. They're fine in the secondary. The Hunter Henry thing is a problem, but uh, you know this. Anybody who's ever followed that team knows this. You're say- what you're saying is correct. They should win the division. And when you use the word should with the Chargers, you're in a problem spot because they, never- fair to- <laughs> they don't do what they should do. I agree. Do you think it's fair to say Rivers, still a good player, but slipped a little? I mean, last year that Kansas City game – when it was all on the line, you know, he didn't play that well. Yeah, he was he's better. Just, he's just older. How he, old is he? 36, 37 years yeah, old? Yeah, 36. He was better last year than he was the year before. Uh, so he had a good year, but you're right that when it gets to its most leveraged moments, it, it suddenly doesn't look right. And that that's the charger. Uh, that's the way. That's, that's the way it always goes with them. Um, while we're at this position, by the way, I wonder how you translated this. The owner of the Colts, Jim Ursay, says even a first-round pick – would not be enough for us to give up Jacoby Brissett. Either uh, that's just, you know, wow, he loves Jacoby Brissett, or 
there's still a piece somewhere in the back of their minds with the Colts that they're not sure if Andrew Luck is just ready to roll. Yeah, I mean, Ursay might need to put down the uh, the sauce there. Well, that's, uh, but that's I, always I, the case. I, I do I do agree that Jacoby's pretty solid. I you know last year just the Colts were a tough watch. He was one of their better players. Now yep. is he worth a first rounder? No chance. Could they get like a third rounder for him? Hell yeah. But let's see, Andrew Luck. I think I read on Twitter the other day that the plan is for him to play a full quarter. In preseason game one, to me that seems a little extreme. Like I, I would ease him back into it. I have him out there in a preseason game for three or four series seems a little crazy. Well, Even though he does need the reps, I, I'm not risking him in pre in August what 10th or 11th or whenever they play next week. No chance. Uh, I all of this stuff to me rings that they're just even though when you ask them they're like, oh yep, we're sure he's good. We're good to roll. It's like you don't believe that. Or else you wouldn't say what you're saying about Brissett, and you wouldn't be playing Andrew like a full quarter in their first game. Like who's who's the Chargers backup? Um, gosh, it's been Kellen Clemens. Uh, oh, they they got Geno Smith. They have Geno Smith and Cardale Jones. So think about this: if you just look at the let's just use the AFC West, those two guys. You look at the Raiders; they got Connor Cook and EJ Manuel. You got the Broncos; that is Chad Kelly and Paxton Lynch. Yep. And then the Chiefs. I, I don't even. I don't Chad, even know. I don't, I, I don't know either. So Jacoby Brissett immediately is if Luck's the starter, he might be the best backup in the NFL. Is that a fair statement? Um, he's definitely the bar's up low. There. Yeah, he's up there. By the way, I'm looking at the remain the other quarterbacks on Kansas City's roster are Chad Henney and Matt McGloin. McGloin's a tough little uh, t- tough little sucker. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he's tough. He's tough. He's not <laughs> he's very not good, but I guess I guess Foles would probably be considered well, the best there you backup go. Sure. in the league. I mean, there, there's only one. But, but I'd say I'd say Brissett would immediately be might be second high end. It. Yes, yes, very, Pro- very probably high even end. better than some guys that start. If you look around the league, I guess we're going to have a lot of rookie quarterbacks starting this year, so we, we'll have to wait and see on that, but. I, they could probably get a decent amount for him. No doubt. Clearly, Belichick liked him. Parcells was like the guy's kid's mentor, right? I mean, loves him. Yep. Uh, and you got to give – I thought Jacoby, whenever – I didn't watch that many Colts games last year, but he's got a pretty good arm, and their, their team was so terrible last year. God. Oh, man, yeah. That was that was a rough watch. All right, Mark Wheeler, John Middlecoff, Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, oh, so baseball. We'll explain. What does it mean when Geico says his 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? Probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Along with John Middlecoff, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio, thankful you're with us on your Saturday. Hope you're out and about having a good time doing it with us. So uh, speaking of a good time, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the baseball world lately, John, about Q score, marketability. Rob Manfred talked about Mike Trout during the All-Star game. And, you know, it, it's it's funny. Uh, so yesterday, you've got all the Hall of Fame stuff going on. We also feel, I think, anytime the calendar gets to August, oh, it's football season. So then you get this major breaking story that happens late yesterday during Ray Lewis and Randy Moss's speech. The breaking news is Mike Sosha is going to step down after the year. And it's with that same organization as Mike Trout, and that organization has a lot to do with the fact uh, that Mike struggles with marketability, I think, because it's in Orange County and it's considered the second team in, in Southern California and all of that. So um, it just, I was struck by the way it struck me. I'm sitting there at home with my son, we're watching, 
NFL Hall of Fame speeches, and I see that Mike Sosha is going to step down, you know, end of an era. And I was just like, eh, okay. And then his response today was so baseball, it's, he called it poppycock. He said that the report was poppycock. I'm like, <laughs> baseball is baseball's fine, and I love baseball, but it is having the hardest time presenting itself in a way that doesn't feel like 1958. I, I don't know where you stood with Manfred, but I actually agreed with him in the sense that if you look at the other two sports that are just, I mean, obviously football's running in circles around really both of them. I yep. know people love to say the NBA is catching them. Ch- check out the TV ratings and just, it ain't even close. You know, the way the two sports are consumed. But basketball is is light years ahead of baseball as well. That the Let's just pick like four players, like Brady, uh, like Odell Beckham Jr., Steph Curry, LeBron. I, I follow them all on social media. They're yep. pretty active. Yep. You know, if you follow, even Tom Brady, who's 41 years old, I... He had multiple uh, Instagram posts today. No, he's more Obviously, active. Od- yeah, he's more active now than he used to be. One hundred percent. Odell Beckham clearly is really active. Steph and LeBron always tweeting and Instagramming. Like, I'm sorry, Mike. So- some of it's a little on you. And if that's not your personality, that's fine. But there's more to Steph Curry and Odell Beckham than just dominating on the field, right? They do embrace all this other stuff. Baseball's terrible at it now. I. In my backyard, I'm actually right down the street from AT&T Park. Yes. The Giants won three World Series, and their two best players over that run, well, I guess it changed a little bit, but Bumgarner definitely on the last third one, and Posey over the whole time. I mean, Buster might be the most boring player in all of baseball, <laughs> you know? He, but 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 that's – he doesn't fa- – I mean, that's just who he is. Yep. He's just kind yep. of boring. He's married. He's just not – and baseball's full of a lot of those type guys where the other two sports – it feels like have a little more personality. Like Mike Trout is not really an outlier, right? He's he's more like most of the guys. He doesn't have maybe he just doesn't have that much personality. That's right, and that's absolutely fine. I mean, you can you can be you, and and Bryce Harper does have that personality, and even Machado. We're learning because he's come to market too. I think a lot of people really were introduced to Machado's personality for the first time ever in, in the last couple of weeks. And he seems yeah. like he's got a little flair to him. But I was thinking about it also because when, when, you, when it comes to what you're going to pay an athlete, I think their marketability has a lot to do with it. You know, 100%. I mean, I've, I've talked to Jeannie Buss about why they gave Kobe Bryant that $50 million that everybody was like, oh, that was a thank you for everything he did. And it was like, yeah, that was part of it. Uh, but the other part of it is that's branding. There, there's branding associated with Kobe Bryant. So when you look at these baseball players, and I was driving home yesterday listening to sports radio, and someone was bringing up that Dexter Fowler, who is hitting like 180 for the Cardinals, has a guaranteed number over a five-year period, and this is year two, a guaranteed number that is higher than Le'Veon Bell and some quarterbacks in the NFL. Dexter Fowler. And so you're like, why would baseball teams do that? It made me think of what happened during the hot stove last year where nobody would sign anybody. And this thought that Bryce or Machado is going to get three or four hundred million dollars, I'm like, why? Wait, what? How? But I mean, if it, just for the for a, for a guy who's going to be one out of nine in a lineup and not really have an imprint, major, uh, you know, in a major way in his city or or the nation, why? Why would you pay that? Listen, I I've been banging the drum, kind of selfish because. 
I watch. I, I'm one of the rare, you know, guys under 35 that watches a baseball game every night. Yep. I watch the Giants all the time. I don't know why. Do I. I shouldn't anymore no. this year. <laughs> and you do the Padres too. I don't no, know no, how no, you no, do it. No, Gi- Giants, Giants. I'm I'm from up there. I've got the okay. pa- I've got the package, and we watch the Giants and the Padres. Okay, I love it. So I, I've been banging <laughs> the drum for Bryce Harper. More selfish as I want something to be fun to watch. But I I was out last night at a bar, and they had. I guess they played a doubleheader. The second game was on of Bryce playing the Reds, and they got their butts kicked. Yep. The, the Nationals are terrible. That Bryce, I'm watching him, and he he, he just, he, multiple times he grounded into a, you know just a basic ball to shortstop, and it didn't even give one ounce of effort to get to first base. Like, if you're Barry, if, bro, you're batting 210. You know, if you're Barry Bonds and hitting 330, I, I guess you can just take your time. But come on, Bryce, you're batting 210. I don't even know. It might be lower than 210 after yesterday's doubleheader. <laughs> I will, here. Let me. Uh, I don't know. I, I've heard I'll some people compare him to A Rod ish. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would. I, I would hesitate giving him three hundred million dollars for a guy that no disputing his talent, but his effort. Dusty Baker, who gets along with every player, can get through to players. Very respected. Could not get through to him just to hustle. Yeah. And I. I and listen, I'm a Barry Bonds apologist, so. You don't always have to hustle if you produce, but he's not producing. Harper right now is batting two thirty-one. Um, back to the Hall of Fame, and how many NFL teams could win the Super Bowl? That's next. Give and go later on this hour. Your phone calls welcome eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. Terrell Owens and Ray Lewis both do it a very different way. Both have taken us through journeys off of the field. However, one of them widely accepted, the other one not. That, Urban Meyer, and much more this hour as we roll in the Geico. Fox Sports Radio Studios, 15 minutes could save you. 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, John, this is off the subject but on. Um, So yesterday, I had the chance in a completely separate arena, I had a chance to actually speak face-to-face with uh, Mike Singletary for a few minutes. Um, which cool. Yeah, very, very cool. And uh, one of those guys that just has a presence, you know, when you're in front of him. And so we were asking him about the whole Hall of Fame thing, Terrell Owens. And you could tell that Mike, as you might expect, was very bothered by it. But yeah. it was trying to be measured in his response to it. It's one of those kind of things like when you ask someone a question and they go like this. And he just took those big nostril breaths in like, okay, yeah, this bothers me, but I'm not going to belt it out. But as he kind of wove his way through the conversation, we asked him, what's your concern level in terms of this setting a precedent for others? And he got to a point where he said this sentence, and I wonder what you think about it. He said, if you're not going to be there, maybe you shouldn't be in there. Very old school take. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I yeah. wouldn't expect anything else from Mike Singletary, who when, the first thing I think about when I think Mike Singletary is just old school. You know, when he got the 49ers job, he brought back that famous drill, like call, I think he called it the Nutcracker, right? Where they basically <laughs> just slammed heads. I mean, it was like the Oklahoma drill on steroids. I mean, I, I think half the 49ers like tapped out in like the second day of training camp. Uh, so I, yeah, I'd expect nothing. I, I think a lot of old school guys, you know guys that played in the 70s, 80s, that played the game well before the millions of dollars came along and played because they loved it for the the violence of the game, the, the purity of the game, 
are turned off by T.O. I mean, that's I think we all get that, but I, I don't think I, I think T.O.'s a, uh, an all-time outlier because look at I mean, we've had countless guys mark the last several years pretty fam- I mean, Tim Brown and Chris Carter are pretty famous. Yep, and they now I again we can get into the first ballot, non-first ballot. Probably neither. I, I don't even. To me, Tim Brown's closer to being not a Hall of Famer than a Hall of Famer. But his stats for a long time, and, and Chris Carter to me, it was definitely a Hall of Famer. But they both had to wait. And again, once they got in, uh, they showed up without hesitation. I, I think most guys, the moment they get that call, now sometimes it's. Remember, was it several years ago? Kenny the Snake Stabler passed away. Uh, and then he ended up getting in. That that, that was terrible. Yeah, you know, that's, he, he that's should have deserved to be alive. That, yeah, that's what sucks about that, situations like that. No doubt about it. I think outside of uh, outside of stuff like that, which is largely out of the Hall of Fame's control, but that bothers people. But outside of that, I don't think there is any expectation on timing. But of course, To will have you believe that's not what it was about. It wasn't about how long you had to wait. It was about the process by which we get to the final answer in the Hall of Fame, and I I agree with him on that. And then I was also thinking this, and none of us would have known this until last night, but when I move forward and think back on Hall of Fame speeches in terms of memorability of them, last night, Ray Lewis is one that I will remember, and the next one I'll remember is Terrell Owens. So did he do it the wrong way? Because I will remember Terrell Owens' speech more than I will remember, for instance, Brian Urlacher's. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he if he wanted to go out and sear a memory in many people's minds because he did it, you know, away from Canton, if that was the goal, to me, I, I, I do think he'll always be, when you say the Hall, NFL Hall of Fame, just anyone that experienced this this year, They'll always remember the D.O. refused to show up. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that you'll just never forget. Like, one of the things, right, with Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech is how just petty he was. And it's like, oh, that's very Michael Jordan. And and Ray basically, like, leading a church choir up there. And T.O., to me, T.O. more than even Ray Lewis because, he again, he just refused to show. I'm personally down on the Hall of Fame a little bit, just – I don't know. How, how do you feel they've watered it down the last several years? The last like maybe five or six. Just some of the guys getting in. I, I think that uh, in, inherently the whole idea of halls of fame is getting watered down, and I don't know if it's because of as I think you're insinuating, maybe some people getting in that 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 shouldn't or whatever. Like is, is Tony is Tony Dungy a hall of famer to you? <laughs> I mean, listen, like, it's it's obvious uh, he he was in charge of a very memorable Super Bowl. And and sometimes guys do get in the Hall of Fame because of one moment or one season. It happens. And and that was an important Super Bowl for a lot of people, for Tony, for the Colts, for Peyton Manning. Um, So, you know, I I understand it. But, again, one of the reasons I have the opinion I do about us doing it the wrong way, I don't consider myself qualified to tell you who is and who isn't a Hall of Famer? Because somewhere back in time, John, a line got drawn. And I don't know where the line's supposed to be. Why That's is fair. you know like why is why is the line there? So Terrell Owens is above it. Randy Moss is above it. Urlacher's above. Well, what if we move the line? I don't. You know, I mean, who who drew the line? 
Well, that, that's why my first reaction, I guess it would have been last year, when Jason Taylor got in the first ballot, I'm like, that's crazy. And then the two guys that were probably the most outspoken were Belichick and Brady. And Bill just raved about how like hard he was to game plan against, and Tom called him like the best competitor he ever played against. It made me rethink it a little bit. I'm like, well, I mean, if Bill really... But then again, back to we talked about Andy Reid on Terrell Owens. Sometimes coaches... You know, when you separate away from time, can be not give you the most truthful answers, and when when anyone gets a, you know, a a, you know, you get into the Hall of Fame, not many people are going to say negative things about you. But I, I did have to rethink that one because I thought that was a little crazy. But then when Bill Belichick. The, the reverence he spoke about Jason Taylor. I, I've been getting a lot of just people been tweeting at me for the last couple of days. Like, well, Zach Thomas, remember who was Jason Taylor's teammate? Is like, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Is Donovan McNabb a Hall of Famer? To me, the, the, the there's nothing wrong with being in the Hall of Really Good. Like Donovan McNabb to me is not a Hall of Famer, but he had a hell of a career. <laughs> I mean, he was a high level. Same with Zach Thomas. Sure. Like he, he's not a Hall of Famer, but Zach Thomas has had an elite NFL career. You know, I've always exceeded expectations. I've always loved the idea of a room, and I've never been to a Hall of Fame. By the way, actually, I shouldn't say that. I've been to. I never have either. I've been to the Notre Dame Hall of Fame, but it wasn't so that I could go to the Hall of Fame. But I've never been to the baseball or the basketball or the football. I've never been inside one of those buildings. However, um, I've long had an idea for all of them. All of them should have a room, a near miss room. I would love that. I would love for a Hall of Fame to have a near-miss room, an almost room. Like, oh gosh, you're almost there. And how fun would it be, by the way, if the Veterans Committee years later is like, we're moving the guy from the near-miss room. He got in. He's Now he's coming down the hall. Why not? Why not? I think that one of the things you mentioned, Halls of Fame getting watered down, think about where the Hall of Fame is going as the millennial generation gets older. You, oh, big saw, time. you saw this last night. There was a moment where they peeled back to the back of the room to film Ray Lewis's speech, and there were a bunch of empty seats. Bu- I, I, I thought that that was one of my bigger takeaways last night. Yeah. Has it ever been that empty? No, and we're talking about Ray Lewis. So it's not just a Hall of Famer with great, and there were other great Hall of Famers, but it's like probably one of the best, you know, most anticipated nightcap speeches, maybe outside of Brett Favre, that we've had in recent memory. And there's a bunch of empty seats, and I think it's because as that younger generation gets older, they look at things like a Hall of Fame, which is you know a, a, a self-congratulatory moment for guys, but it's also uh, you know it's this honor that's bestowed upon you by other people who may or may not be qualified to even give you that honor. That's a good point. I, I didn't just, think about yeah, it. Yeah, like I that. think the millennials look at this and they're like. Uh, this is this is stupid. I, I'm just not even into this at all. You didn't see many 27 year olds with jerseys in the stands, right? You know, I, you, you're right. In 10 years, I mean, is that place going to be pretty empty? Because remember, a couple years ago, now it, pretty unique franchises when the bus got in, and obviously Favre, it felt like that place was jam packed. There wasn't you couldn't fit an extra person in. And last night, looked closer to an Oakland A's Wednesday night game than it did. The Hall of Fame night, the Saturday night with the speeches, <laughs> yeah, right? It it, it it was pretty eye opening. I also think the because of the stats and uh, how much the game has changed the last fifteen years. Like you've had a front, like is Philip Rivers going to get in? Like there are going to be a yeah. lot of players, you know, that are probably lock hall of really good guys that may eventually get in. That a lot of people won't even 
Because to me, Ray Lewis is the Randy Mosses, the Brett Favre. Like th- those guys, you can't write the NFL story without talking about them. But sure. this generation of players, I mean, think of how many wide receivers the last like ten years are just going to have some stats that are going to be just mind blowing. Right. But I think also when we talk about as sports younger, this is what this is one of baseball's big problems. 100%. Younger sports fans coming up, they are not about stats; they're about the experience. They're not about stats; they're about the experience, and therefore. Those numbers, it's like, great, show me numbers. Numbers lie all the time. You know what I mean? Guy throws an interception and bounced off somebody, some wide receiver's chest plate. It's like, what? so now he, he threw an interception. And they're like, well, wait a minute, but that's not what just happened. And so when we get to the end of a guy's career, I don't just want to be told the numbers. I want to be told the story. And, and so that's, that's why I think this line gets so blurred, and a lot of younger sports fans are like, eh, who cares? That's, I, I didn't think of it like that, but I, I, I'm with you. You're not going to be able to get a 25-year-old you know, to go to Canton you know, watch someone get inducted. And that's that's going to be a problem for that event. No you doubt. Because you, you felt it last night, and like you said, it, wasn't, it was a pretty star-studded event. I mean, Randy Moss and Ray Lewis, uh, the names get much bigger over that generation, non-quarterback. I, I don't think they do. Those are two probably the most famous guys in the league the last – 15 years non-quarterback totally agree yeah okay what would you say if i told you i think that there are 16 teams who could win the super bowl next year you're crazy <laughs> okay i'll unveil them for you coming up all right we got some great news quick way you can save some money switch to geico go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15 percent or more on car insurance i'll just tell you right now i'll jump to the uh i'll jump to the end of the conversation first john middlecoff uh, I was just talking in the other room uh, to uh man running the wheels of steel here on the show. Alex is a big Steelers fan. And he's very happy with me right now because I just went on a four-minute diatribe about why I think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, the Steelers have a little thing going on that mirrors what the Chiefs did last year. The Chiefs drafted, in fact, traded up to get Pat Mahomes, and Alex Smith immediately went, oh, okay, I see you. In other words, I'm going to be either traded or be a free agent at the end of of this year, and uh, I better ball out. And he came out, and even though the story ended the same way, we all admit he did a bunch of things we'd never seen him do before. He was the number two quarterback in fantasy last year. They lit a fire under his butt. And when you, when you think about the Mason Rudolph pick, the way Roethlisberger reacted immediately, that's going to matter. Le'Veon Bell knows he's going to be a free agent. Juju wants to be a star. I am mm-hmm. so high on that offense this year because the organization correctly lit a fire under each of their butts. And let's call it what it is. I mean, without that Jesse James play, they're, they're the number one seed. I, I thought Correct. last year they were the best team in the AFC that freaky ending of that game, I they they outplayed the the Patriots. Now, even if they would have been the one seed, and let's say because it turned out to be a big difference getting the Titans or the Jaguars in that second round game, and it, it came back to bite the Steelers in the ass. And then they obviously had probably one of the worst first halves right. in franchise history in a playoff <laughs> right. game. But you know they would have beat Tennessee. Now, let's just even give the Patriots that would have taken care of business. Still, New England owns Tomlin, and whether it's in Pittsburgh, in New England, would they have won that game? Probably. That's their problem. They just got to avoid New England. 
and that's why I think last year was so disappointing is they couldn't even beat Jacksonville. Though, if they play Jacksonville ten times in a playoff game, I'd say the Steelers win like eight. Eight. Yeah, know? that was the number that popped into my head too. But you know what? We, we don't know what we don't know, and I'm not 100% sure that the Patriots are going to be exactly what they've always been. There'll be a version of it. Uh, it's It's one version of good to great somewhere in there. I get that. But Bucky Brooks was in here right before us, and, and and he says the Patriots take Tom Brady off of that roster, and and and, and he goes they're a uh, they're a four and twelve team. Yeah, but you could have done that so many times over the last ten years. True. You, you know they, they are they have never been the most talented team in that conference beside the quarterback. Now they've had a couple years, you know that early Randy Moss era, but these last five or six years, their roster top to bottom is not the Steelers, is not the Chargers, is clearly not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their, their differentiating factor is their coach is so much better than the next best coach. It's not even close. And say what you want about him. He had a kind of a crazy offseason with turning the job down. Josh McDaniels is pr- pretty darn good, you know, as a coordinator. So th- their coaching advantage of just Bill and, and Josh combined with Tom – and uh, to me, Gronk's still pretty solid. They, they, they overcome it. So I, I never – Sony Michelle, I, who's to say that he won't just take over Deion Lewis's role and right. be awesome? So right. you, you could always play that role. Their roster's not great. Their division stinks, which and they, they take advantage of that every year. And then in the in the nut-cutting cut, moments, when it's big time against the Steelers, for example, these last several years, they get it done. And Pittsburgh, who has more talent – does not get it done in the biggest moments for whatever reason against New England. So I'm listening to our guy Colin this week, and he says, I've got seven teams who could win the Super Bowl this year. And I said, hold on a second. That sounds like an NBA number. Uh, That sounds like a Major League Baseball number. The NBA, we can always grab five or six teams. There are some people who think it's it's one. It is one. (laughs) And and say they're going to win the title – this year, and we know that baseball, you can, it's less so that, but it's still more so than the NFL for sure. Where I can say, give me seven or eight teams at the beginning of the year. I bet I'm going to pick the correct one. But when you get to the NFL, I'll remind everyone before I get to this list, and I do have a few that I know I'm going to have to fight to get you to agree with me, but I'll remind everybody what we all thought about the Eagles last August. Last August nobody, nobody thought that that was a contender to even win. What I kept hearing about the Eagles last year was, oh, they're kind of a dark horse to maybe contend in the NFC East. But not Super Bowl, and especially not without their quarterback, uh, were they going to win the Super Bowl, and they did. But but in fairness, even going into the year, I don't think anyone had Carson Wentz chalked up as the MVP. No chance. So if if I would have told you going into the season – Carson Wentz is going to turn into the MVP of the league. Now, I know he didn't win it, but he would have if he would have stayed healthy. You would have been like, okay, they're going to make the playoffs. Well, right? that's, sure. That's always a huge variable. If I tell you that, uh, that Josh Rosen is going to be the offensive rookie of the year, you <laughs> might go, wow, the Cardinals might make the playoffs, right? Well, no doubt, but that's my point is that that can happen in the NFL. There's no way we go into the NBA and all of a sudden we're like, Whoa, DeMar DeRozan is the MVP of the league. Didn't see that coming. It's like, no, because it's not going to happen. But in the NFL, it could. So uh, here's what I got as far as the 16 teams I think actually have even, you know, an outside chance to be really good, surprisingly good, and win the Super Bowl. Out of the NFC East, I'm going to go Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants, John. 
Um, NFC North, Packers, Vikings. NFC South, Falcons, Panthers, Saints. NFC West, Rams, Niners. I think all of them are legitimately playoff contenders. Uh, I, I can't see the Giants winning the Super Bowl. I mean, Pat Shermer, I guess he's a second-time head coach, but let's let's pump the brakes a little on Pat Shermer. Eli's shell of himself. The 49ers, you know, it'd be great for my business if they were to make the uh, the <laughs> Super Bowl, but I, I, they're not a Super Bowl. Their their roster just isn't good enough. Okay, but me, you Jimmy, and I, you Jimmy and, Garoppolo would have to have one of the great seasons of all time. Well, he never loses a game, so let's keep that in mind. I mean, no, you, you <laughs> it's going to happen sooner or later. You and I had a conversation yesterday. You and I both think the Rams are being overly hyped, and if that's the case, and the Rams are, let's say, I don't know, nine and seven this year. Someone's got to win that division. Wouldn't your next pick be San Francisco? I do think 9-7 and seven probably wins the NFC West. If you look at the 49ers' schedule, like they open against the Vikings. They play the AFC West. I, they're not – they could have a good year and win eight games. I, and the 49ers, to me, are the second-best team in the division, and they're not a double-digit win team. And I, 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 we're in agreement on the Rams. I, they could go 9-7 and seven or even 10-6 and six would probably feel like a letdown given their expectations. But I, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on, on the 49ers. Okay, so you got a problem with two of my NFC teams, which is the Giants and the 49ers. AFC, the obvious ones, Patriots and Steelers. And then uh, out of the AFC West, I only have the Chargers. And then in the AFC South, this is where I know I'm going to have to battle a little bit. I have the Jags on the list. I do have the Texans on the list. And... Because I'm a huge fan of his game, assuming health, I do have the Colts on the list. You see, that's I, I would only have two AFC teams, and that'd be the Patriots and the Steelers. That's it. Uh, not yeah, even the, not it. even the Chargers or the Jags. I I, I can't take Blake Bortles seriously. Oh, I, he'd have to win three playoff games, and the Chargers again. Their roster is really good. But again, like we talked about earlier in the show, I watched that Chiefs game with all the marbles on the line and Rivers not play well. So for him to win, they might make the playoffs, but could he win three straight playoff games? Because even if you made the playoffs at 10-6, and six, you're probably going to host a wild card game. That means you got to play three playoff games just to get to the Super Bowl. Well, Anthony Lynn, I, I, I don't see it. The Colts, their roster is not good enough. Like the, To me, the Raiders, no chance. I, it's just the Steelers and Patriots for me. Yeah, so the AFC West, it's possible. It, I'm not saying it is because we don't even know who Patrick Mahomes is, but the AFC West might mirror the AFC East this year. Like the, the, We know the Charger roster is good. We don't know the Chiefs quarterback. The Raiders have all kinds of question marks. Derek Carr, uh, it, I mean, outside of a, a handful of games two years ago, I, I'm not convinced on that offense at all. And the Broncos have a new quarterback who's been a career backup. So what if the Chargers actually end up playing in a division that's pretty weak and they go 5-1 and one in their division games? Okay. Oh, they, they, they play the uh, NFC West, right? So they'd have to take care of the Niners, right. the Rams. Seattle's – I mean, they still have Russell Wilson, so they, they could beat you on any given game even if they're down. The Cardinals last year went 8-8. Eight and eight. That was with Blaine Gabbert. Now they have Bradford and Rosen, which is a clear upgrade. Now we'll see about their coach. Let's let's just say this: If I tell you the Chargers are the best team in that division, if for your money, who would be the second best team as we sit here today? Oh, who, who would you trust the most in the AFC West? Um, 
Chiefs? I want to say the Chiefs, but I just don't even know who the kid is. You know what I mean? But I trust yeah. Andy Reid. I trust he that did look system. Good. He did look good in the one game. Yeah, yeah, except for it was against a bunch of backups um, uh, against Denver last year. All right, so I- I'm going to take this as a win, though, because even though you took six teams off my list, that still leaves you with ten, which is more than Cowherd said. Yeah, I mean, that's the great part about the NFL. There are we're probably somewhere in the middle, maybe not 10, maybe not 16, maybe like 12 or 13 teams. Okay. They could legitimately get there. Yes. You know, winning it, it's weird, but get there. Um, after all that, watch the Bucks win the Super Bowl or something. I mean, like, I know. that's the thing. All right. Uh, Mark Willard, John Middlecoff uh, with you on Fox Sports Radio. Still ahead, we get back into what should, what will happen next at Ohio State because that might be two different things. But right now, David Gascon gets in here. Uh, we know, we know that David Gascon is going is to keep this? his job, and uh, we go live to David, who is having a chocolate croissant at a uh, outdoor eatery uh, just down the street from the Tour de Eiffel. Welcome, David. Little espresso action. Oh, I already had one of those today. Did you? Oh, why Single, you double, triple. Oh, double. Come right. on. Very nice. Absolutely. A little Got vanilla in that sucker. Come nice. on. Nice. Little rose at the table. Oh yeah. Candlelit. Yeah, all by myself. And nothing wrong with that. You can do a lot of what, good things, what? productive things yeah. by yourself. My wife's out of town. What do you want? From oh, yeah. very nice. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess we'll we'll start things off in Major League Baseball, shall we? <laughs> Swung in and belted to deep right. Away. Way back. Gone. Jose Ramirez hits number 33. Does that audio good go good with the music? Uh, it didn't, but it, it's a good thing for baseball. Like that's the most <laughs> excited baseball crowd I've heard all year. Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, our Indians took care of the Angels four three in that one. Mets—they're uh, doing some work in the Agro Extras, unfortunately for them. High fly, right center field, well struck by Markakis, all the way to the wall. That one's got a chance. That one is gone for Nick Markakis. His 13th home run, his fourth hit of the day, and it puts the Braves in front. That Braves. sounded more like a baseball crowd. It did. I'm like, oh, you know where that hey. was at, right? <laughs> it was in Atlanta. No, that was in New York. That was in New York? Yeah, we got more guys here in the studio than we probably did at City <laughs> Field. That's unfortunate in Queens. But, uh, yeah, Atlanta took care of business in 10. 5-4 was the final. In Los Angeles, Dodgers leading the Astros 3-1. Seattle leads Toronto 2-1, bottom of five in that affair. And then, of course, later on tonight, you get the Yankees and Red Sox. Boston looking for a four-game sweep. And they'll send David Price to the bump. 11 and 6 this season with an ERA just under 4 at 397. Uh, some NFL news. Eagles bring back safety Corey Graham in a one-year deal. Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari diagnosed with only a sprained ankle. He should be okay, but he was carted off the field just yesterday. And Richard Sherman will get a week off to nurse a tight hamstring. That's according to the San Francisco 49ers. Gentlemen, the uh, the table, I guess the meatballs and pasta, oh, yeah. they're all yours. Oh, that was Italy, but anyways. I don't close, know. What? Close, what, close what, enough. What, the French can't eat Italian food? <laughs> you want a crate? You okay, how about, can, a crate? But how about a crate for both I, of you I've been, I've been to the Eiffel Tower. I didn't have meatballs outside of it. I had a crate. You did you? Yeah. Chocolate? Come on. What else is there? I don't know, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going all the way over there to get, you know, I don't know, caramel or something like that. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Geico.com or 800-947-AUTO. Only hard part. Figuring out 
which way is easier. John Middlecoff, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio, the give and go is still ahead. Um, hey, John, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and maybe this is me being, uh, I don't want this to sound soapboxy at all, but I do have a hard time. I grew up, you did too, I, like I'm a Californian. I'm a Northern Californian. I don't uh, have my life, world, livelihood attached to the outcome of college football games. Um, there are a lot of people in places in America where that is the case. Um, I always tell the story of, you know, when Lane Kiffin got hired at Tennessee, he's told me this story. He got hired at Tennessee, and uh, Tennessee flew him and his family out there, and then there was a car waiting for them, and the car drove them to a house that had been set up for him by the University of Tennessee. And when he got there, the driveway was filled with people. They know where you live. This happened with the Joe Paterno story where everybody just marched over to Coach's house. That's very Mm -hmm. different than the reality I grew up in. And so when you see a story like we've seen with Urban Meyer the last couple days, one of the things that catches me off guard or I find a little bothersome is people will immediately go, well, okay, let's see what happened here. Uh, All right, what do we know? What do we not know? Uh, you know what would make sense is how about a uh, a two-game suspension because mid-September they've got TCU. I'm like, why are we talking about the schedule? Why are we talking about the football when when we're talking about uh, a, a woman who got uh, you know brutally hit and, and strangled as by his admission over a text message and Urban Meyer's enabling of it? I, I, I'm with you. If I hadn't lived in Philadelphia during the, I, I was actually living there when the Joe Pa thing broke. Uh, there was a guy on our Eagle staff who's now actually at the University of Michigan under Harbaugh, Mike Zordich, yep. who had played for Sandusky, played in the NFL for a while, and those Penn State teams in the mid '80s. So I mean, it really hit home. And in college football, unlike I hosted radio for years in the Bay Area, we we never talk college football. Right? You know, you, you talk we talk Raiders, Niners, and then now the Warriors and the and the Giants. Yeah, there's no college football talk. But I went to a Penn State practice, and you know I've been in the South and seen a couple SEC programs, and it's nothing like that out here. But I I, I do think they're at those type programs, and we saw it with Joe. You know, we see it now with Saban. You, you've seen it historically. I mean, Coach K, there are certain guys. Now, Urban hasn't been there that long, but the moment in year two, as the underdog, when he won that national championship, he became a legend, a, a living legend at that program. And, and then also returning them to prominence that in their communities, like, do you think in the Pac-12, if the same thing had occurred, oh. you know, the guy would already be gone, right? <laughs> well, first off, the guy the guy would never have a $40 million buyout. Right. You know, it, that wouldn't exist. He'd have been gone by the end of the day. Yeah, he, he'd be gone by the end, which is honestly one thing as someone that does this for a living and sports means, you know, kind of defines a, a lot of my life, that I've always kind of been jealous of that. You know, I'm a, I'm a Pac-12 homer, but we got a team where I'm in the studio 30 minutes down the road that's been consistently in the top 10 in the University of Stanford. Yep. And, the, you know, they get they struggle to get 15,000 people on big games. It, it's embarrassing. Like if that was – imagine if – you know, Ohio State or Auburn or Georgia had been consistently that high in the rankings, it would, they'd be the program. But Stanford's irrelevant around here. I'd argue Cal, just in terms of fans, gets way more people to the game consistently than, than Stanford ever does. But I, I, I do get where the, they're terrified to lose their coach because their identity 
is wrapped and interwoven in Ohio State's success. So if you think about, I saw it firsthand when Michigan came after Harbaugh. Uh, it has to be one of the biggest, you know, hires. Now it hasn't worked out perfectly, but when they hired him, they, they would have given, they would have moved mountains to get him. And it turned out it was perfect timing, and they they landed him. It it changed, you know, an entire culture of Ann Arbor revolved around his hiring, and, and now him being there the last three years, like if. I don't think this would happen to Jim, uh, but if it did, I, I think you would see something similar to Urban. People would fight to keep him. Yeah, I mean, and I and I get that, and I know there's a lot of fun for people associated with that. You know what a what a I've been to uh, Ohio State for a football game, and uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I just think that there. I, what I wish is that there are times where people knew. Okay, it's time to step out of the fun zone, um, and 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 that's and that's what this is. You know, you just mentioned Harbaugh. I think this is an amazing dichotomy that we, uh, we, we should absolutely talk about, which is uh, there's two totally separate arenas, at least for my brain, when it comes to college football. You've got a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who is now sort of a little under a microscope. He hasn't beaten Ohio State. Oh, it hasn't been quite as good, and it did, is it worth all of the hype and all of that? If that's the worst thing you can say about a guy – uh, oh, he hasn't won as much as we thought, and he's a little odd. Okay, so that's Harbaugh. Now here's Urban Meyer, where we're talking about some real-life stuff. And, and to me, that's a separate arena. It's kind of like the LeBron thing. So many you know, critics. Oh, the decision. If the worst thing you've got on a guy is the day that he donated a million bucks to the Boys and Girls Club of Ohio, I think a guy's in a pretty good spot. So I, I, I separate when we get to real-life stuff and try not to bring the sports into that opinion. Uh, no, I'm with you, and I think it's hard, you know, in, in this day and age and the way with social media and this story just took on a completely life of its own. It's hard to know what was true, and then was it when was it, Friday night? The guy did an interview on ESPN, and you're just like, I tried to watch. I was uncomfortable watching it. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I'll say this though, and I'm not defending the guy. I'm not trying to defend the guy. I don't know. I've no, I honestly never even heard about him until this right. happened. <laughs> but I had a front row seat over the off season of this Reuben Foster situation, and it took on a life of its own. Yeah. And I say everyone, definitely around here, and I'm sure you and who, wherever you live, thought his career was over. Yep. And and it turns out everything was fake. And it turns out, like from my point of view, the DA should have lost his job because he was presented with facts and he refused to listen. It had some, you know, parallels to the Duke situation a long time ago. He want the the district attorney wanted something to be true, and it feels like in these situations, you get Twitter wants something to be true, and then you get the fans that want something to be. I I don't. I I have a hard time in this day and age knowing what to believe ever. Honestly, I I, I get I, it. You know, you you know, you just. It's why I try to stay away from getting on my moral high horse and situation. I, I I don't know what to believe. I, I don't know any of these people. Uh, you know, I I I've always thought Urban was a fraud. Uh, one time his wife actually came after me on Twitter like a couple years ago. Really, I was just blasting him. <laughs> yeah, you know she she's sensitive because I think they've heard it all from the fake heart attack stuff. Sure, but again, you, you fake a heart attack and you quit and say you need to be time around your family. And then you go work immediately when when money's not an issue. I, how do I take you seriously? So I I don't take Urban that seriously. That's why I'm not that. Af- 
I mean, I'm offended as a human being. It's This is disgusting. But isn't that, don't 99% of people feel that way about domestic violence? It's, you know, it's like, well, who, the, who doesn't agree with that? They, uh, they outwardly do, but you'll also hear a lot of people when it comes to domestic violence about, well, what did she do? Uh, you know, did she hit him first? And, you know, what, how is this Urban's responsibility? And I mean, you, you, you absolutely hear that. You know what I've heard from multiple women this week say, hey, what about Shelly Meyer? I mean, if she was the first line, if she was the one Courtney Smith was talking to, and she's an employee of Ohio State, why didn't 100%. she blow a bigger whistle? Uh, I, I completely, honestly, that crossed my mind uh, three or four days ago when it came out that this that this ex-wife you know responded to her like she might be a bigger fraud than right. urban yeah. like she, where, where was she to help here's the other thing i've been on a college program i i worked at fresno state for a couple years and been through as a scout these college programs the wives of the coaches because these guys work so much spend a lot of time together sure it, they're, they're around each other so, so here's the other thing all these other assistant coaches that are spread out now all over the country you don't think they knew or had heard rumors that was going on? Of course. So, you know, the uh, Mike Vrabel was on the staff. You know, you have guys all over, multiple coaches on Tom Herman's staff. To think that they're – I'm not saying they're guilty. They, they didn't do anything. But to think that they didn't know or hear rumors, that's BS because that's – I've seen it. It's not possible. They, they spend so much time around each other. And clearly th- this woman was telling people. All right, with John Middlecoff, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio, and the Given Go. All right, great news. Quick way you can save some money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Mike Trout has just tweeted the word Anaheim, followed by five plane emojis. Very exciting. That's that's the <laughs> kind of that's the, that's the kind of tweet Rob Manfred was talking about. That'll, so move, that'll move the needle with the youth. <laughs> yeah, that'll, it's a game changer, John. Uh, yeah, it's that'll just, move the needle. That's just the way it is. I love it. Uh, this has been fun today, bud. Uh, appreciate you doing it. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. And the good thing is uh, I really had nothing else going on. Okay, so good. Was, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we didn't mess up any plans. Uh, perfect. All right, let's let's uh, let's, uh, let's mess up the end of this. Let's do the give and go. Let's go. It's give and go. Give, 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 give and go. Give, go, go. Give, go, go. Here's give and go. He's French and he's all over this sucker. He's David Gascon. Here we Yo, go. Just uh, just before we get into this, Mark, seven ten. That is the uh, price for a round trip ticket for you and I to go from Los Angeles to Paris, France. Okay, I have some history. That's not bad. Yeah, I have some history with that number, and we'll just leave that right there. I so, know. You yeah. see what I did there? I do. I yeah. do. I saw see? that. That was well played. Job well done by me. All right, guys, <laughs> let's get things going first in the NBA. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was asked earlier this week to share his thoughts on the greatest of all time debate. And he threw a little cold water on it, saying, quote, the reason there is no such thing as the GOAT is because every player plays under unique circumstances. We play different positions, under different rules, with different teammates, with different coaches. Every player has to adapt to their circumstances and find a way to excel. This isn't Highlander. There can only be, or there can be more than one. So, gentlemen, do you agree with Kareem? Um, I completely agree with Kareem. The problem is I've tried to make this point on sports media for years, and it just doesn't work because sports fans don't want to hear that. But the funniest thing I hear all the time, and this proves Kareem's point, is Tom Brady's the GOAT, uh, but Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. 
How many guys say, it's like, you can't say that, <laughs> but everybody says that. <laughs> it's like, how can you be the GOAT and you're not even the best guy in the game at this moment? I, you know, I, I Michael Jordan is my GOAT, but I do think it's fair if you went, you know, LeBron might be a better all-around player. Same deal with Tom Brady and, and the Aaron Rodgers argument. Interesting, interesting. All right. Well, John, we'll go back to you on this. Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts had some strong words for Nick Saban and the rest of the coaching staff yesterday. Hurts said that he had received no indication from his coaches regarding where he stands on the depth chart. And then he was shocked when Coach Saban had suggested in the past that Hurts might not be on the roster when the season starts. So, John, leading off with you on this one, does this whole ordeal make you think less of Nick Saban or not? This bothered me yesterday. Jalen Hurts, I got news for you, buddy. You're not the best quarterback on your own team anymore. Coaches, when you are no longer the best player at your position in college football and if one day you're lucky enough to be in the NFL, the world does not revolve around you anymore. They didn't owe you anything. If it wasn't for the other quarterback, which is like a Hawaiian version of Russell Wilson, left-handed, and he's a stud, your program would not have won a national championship. You were terrible in many games down the stretch. They won despite of you. So what did Nick Saban owe him? Like, hey, man, you're going to be the backup? Is that what he should have told him? Because I knew it, and I live in Northern California. So he he was there every day at Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and he couldn't figure that out? I I don't feel bad for Jalen at all. You know what? I'm with you until we get to the point where Saban then makes the statement that he doesn't know if Jalen Hurts is even going to be on the roster. And it's like, now, if this guy was your starting quarterback until halftime of the national title game, and then all the the world changes, if you're going to go public with, I don't even know if he's going to be on our team, that to me probably is deserved of like a, hey, (laughs) Jalen, just want to let you know this is your status right now going into next year. Guys, last well, I think he Oh, sorry. I think that. he knows if he starts Tua, he'll transfer. <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. Last one, we got our first look at the NFL's new helmet rule earlier this week as Baltimore was penalized three times for violating the rule. As it relates to the rule itself, do you expect 3A game to be the new normal this season in terms of infractions against? This is going to be a frustrating deal for everybody. Like I, I, I think everyone gets it that there needs to be a rule, but the definition of the rule needs to be really clear for everyone. Don't you think, John? If it's 3A game, I'm out. That's, that's too many. <laughs> it, should be, it should be one or two a weekend total. 3A game is beyond extreme. That, that, that is a problem. Um, Dave, great stuff. Um, you and I can go uh, helmet to helmet right now uh, in the other room if you're ready. Um, John, good stuff. Glad Thanks, to do Mark. Thirty-three Tribe Radio Network. They beat the Halos four-three in the NFL. 49ers Richard Sherman out a week with a right hamstring injury. I'm David Gascon. We are At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.